0: hello everyone and welcome into debate night yet again we're back in studio so no more virtual brody actually last time we did this was virtual me and you
1: and it silas was
2: double triple virtual
0: were you on the last one silas yeah like, man what, they, they come had vid-
1: on you're forgetting about me they i don't have video had, of you
2: i don't have had video of yes him. no they did at the very beginning he started the show i remember
0: oh you yeah. recorded yourself separately we couldn't see you no, we couldn't see...
1: That's how, that's I, that's how we do the show you, all the yeah, time. Yeah, you I can never, never see oh, for Silas. you.
0: I can normally see you.
1: I never yeah, see Br- Silas. can never
0: see me. I
2: can't see Silas right now.
0: Yeah. Oh, you're Perfect. That's right. how I got, we want it. I've got a great angle at Silas. <laughs> yeah, straight yeah. through the two I just lights. need to lean
2: back a little bit. It's yeah. okay.
0: But yeah, back in Virginia, fresh off of your first ever top three in mm. an Elite Series event, mm. and it was one heck of an Elite Series event because most of the talk from the fan side is a, was about the conditions... The course design, some people had some not-so-nice things to say about the course design, yeah. some people loved the course design, and from what I've understood, it was somewhat similar among the players, where some people loved it and thought it was great, some people were like, this sucks, and everyone thought the weather sucked, I mean, there's no way around yep. the wind, but walk us through, I mean, what, what do we even talk about first? Walk us <laughs> through, I guess, I want to know less about this. we'll talk about the middle rounds later, I sure. want to know final round, that was your first lead card, correct? Because you're on chase card the second day, uh, third day? Third day lead card. You're on third day lead card as well. Yeah. Okay. Double. So final round lead card, though, yeah. is a whole different thing. Mm-hmm. What was that like? You know, name announced, that pressure of, hey, I'm actually here. I've got one round to push for the win. What was like your mindset going to that round?
2: Yeah. No, it was, I was four back from Ricky. I knew it was going to be extremely difficult to catch him, especially with the conditions, you know, being, you know, more mild that day, it was still windy, but not nearly anything we had seen the previous days. And I knew my only chance really was to apply pressure early. Mm-hmm. I knew that was my only shot. Uh, if, if he had, you know, four or five shots on me going into the back nine, it probably was too late at that point. I knew the only chance was to try to, to make a push early, close that gap and put some you know pressure on him of being like, Holy crap. Brody is like one shot behind me, yeah. two shots, whatever it may have been. And, uh, that was kind of my mindset is like trying to get out the gates early, apply pressure early, and then see what happens on the back nine. Didn't go my way, but all in all it was an incredible experience. That's for sure. Um, there's something to putting yourself in a position to be able to actually take down a tournament. Right. And it's, you know, after that, I talked to Ezra a little bit too afterwards because he, you know, he's been in this position as well at Las Vegas last year where he was in a position on the final day to win. Uh, turned out Eagle just went berserk mode. Right. And ended up winning. But, Something that I thought was very interesting that he said, and and probably very wise, was he after that tournament he felt like that should be like his normal. Like mm-hmm. he felt like if he wasn't playing at that level, that he was like playing below his average. If that makes sense, and he said that it it, it may it 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 caused for some issues, I guess, with his mental game a little bit mm-hmm. leading after that, and I could I like I was very thankful he said that to me because I feel like that's some really good knowledge of like okay and that was something that I I tried to do in the tournament myself is I kept trying to explain or you know convince myself of okay you're in second place right now tomorrow though you can go out and shoot 5 under but you could also go out and shoot 10 over yeah whatever happens you just have to deal with that as it comes but going I never went into rounds being like I, I, I'm shooting 500 under today. I yeah. have to shoot 500 under today. I did a good job of the, at this tournament of taking what happened and dealing with it and then just persevering and going on to the next shot, the next hole.
0: Yeah, which obviously that was the most notable in the final round because we were actually all just talking about it before we went live. We talked about it a little bit today. I don't think any of us were actually watching live your last few yeah. holes because... Well, for lack of better terms, we either just didn't want to see it yeah. or we had given up on hope of sure. a, something turning around, but it, I mean, obviously you somehow didn't being in the midst of cuz I've been in those rounds where uh, you had what, four holes in the middle where you went OB on your drives. I
2: I don't even know if it was just four. It felt like it felt like every tee shot was just going OB.
0: Yeah, so how on earth did you keep yourself in like a focused, calm mindset to where you were actually able to get the birdies necessary to finish in the top three.
2: So I, I felt like I only had thrown one bad shot. Okay. As crazy as that sounds, yeah. It the the shot on hole four spoiler. Alert, I was not going for the birdie, so <laughs> I did get I did get some tweets and stuff from people being like, "Hey, like, do you feel like g- trying to go for the birdie on hole four was the bad mistake?" And I was like, "What? What does that mean? Go for the?" And I was like trying to think what hole that was. And I was like, the one that I threw it like on the, sh- the highway. I was like, I was I was trying to throw a straight shot there. I, <laughs> I really felt like I was actually throwing the disc really well. Yeah. I was just really struggling at the time of disc selection and angle control. Of like figuring out exactly what angle. We had just gone from playing like extremely windy conditions to not extremely windy conditions. And I was just struggling to like just find a fairway. It felt like I was either picking the wrong disc or picking the right disc and not throwing it on the right angle. And so I was, I was making mistake after make mistake, but I wasn't feeling like I was throwing bad hole four, that was kind of a shank. I, I turned it over way more than I wanted to and just didn't really commit to the shot. And so that was like the one shot that I really felt in the front nine. Like, Oh, that wasn't very good. But other than that, I felt like I was actually throwing like decent shots it just—they were just going out of bounds. So and You were so, like executing
0: the shot you wanted, but the just was disc wasn't doing what you expected.
2: Yeah, or or I was like, crap! I should have put that on a, on a, on on flat, and I put it on hyzer, and it just
0: went yeah. out.
2: So I was making the mistakes, but at the same time, it didn't feel like my game was just like nowhere to be found. Yeah, and so I knew like, okay, just continue to power through, and the entire round, I was literally trying to figure out how to throw a straight shot. Like, How do I get this disc to just – because that's what you need. You need disc to just go straight, don't really fade too much, and just stay in the fairway. And 18, unfortunately, was the first one that I finally executed, which probably was the, the most difficult shot of the entire tournament to throw that straight shot all the way up the fairway with trouble right, trouble left. But I finally kind of did it on that one, and uh, it felt great, obviously. But it was funny because on hole 18, uh, I looked at Ricky, and I was like, after watching him play, and it, I, I feel like he had a pretty flawless round. It's very difficult to have a, a bogey-free round out there. There's just so much trouble. Yeah. But I felt like he did a pretty flawless job that final round of just kind of playing the course. And he, the one thing I noticed is he was throwing so many forehands off the tee. And thinking about it and going through it, I'm like, gosh, the forehand on some so many of those tee shots is such a good play because it puts you in a position. If you throw a good one to birdie, but if you throw a bad one, it still puts you in a position to have to make a, a more difficult second shot for a birdie. But you're in bounds, yeah. and that's the key of this whole tournament. Is I feel like I did a really good job at Jones throwing the disc in bounds, and then I went to Emporia, and I just threw it out of bounds all over the place. Um, some might say that's because I didn't get practice rounds in at Emporia. I only got one round at Supreme. But truthfully, are the lights is going nuts behind It's this? just going crazy,
0: yeah. I was trying to slow it down. I was trying to slow it down discreetly. Um, <laughs> it was like a carnival
2: behind us. Uh, but no, truthfully, like I just never really felt comfortable on any of the tee yeah. shots and I, I i think that was i could kind of hide that a little bit more on the third round because of how windy it was and there really wasn't that much decision making when it comes to like what disc to throw because when you are throwing into a 30 mile per hour headwind it's like whatever the most overstable disc you have but sunday was such good scoring conditions and i just never felt like yeah this is the shot it's definitely gonna find the fairway and uh yeah i was just struggling through that round but Obviously, I'm never going to give up. I'm never going to count myself out of it. And, uh, you know, I battled to to a good finish there.
0: Yeah. Okay. So we got to walk through the a few different things. Because obviously, we're coming back here for Worlds yeah. in September. And from the fan side, one of the takes I got a lot was mainly regarding – because the golf course, we've heard it time and time again. Golf courses are boring. Golf mm-hmm. courses are this or that. People don't like golf courses. That's fine. Whatever. But Jones Supreme, I felt like a lot of people still with this tournament were talking about how the rounds looked boring. And I was talking with Trevor. I don't know if this was on the podcast. I think it was on Griplocked, um, where my take was I think that what it was was the difficulty that y'all had out on the course wasn't coming through to us as a viewer. Mm-hmm. So when y'all were struggling, it just looked like a boring round versus like in Northwoods or like when there's woods, it's easy to translate the difficulty. What was your take as a player? on jones supreme just like course wise i know obviously the wind changed everything but not wind course wise like design wise do you feel like that's a really good course for worlds
2: i think i think it's a i think it's a pretty solid course i think there's a couple things they are going to have to um maybe tweak a little bit hole 10 for example is um a pretty pretty tough par four i think i had I believe they said on coverage I had the best drive on that hole. I think I had 350 out and still had not a real good shot at the basket. Mm. You're still kind of throwing it up there and hoping it kind of just gets through. So either they probably need to like clean up the ceiling a little bit on that hole or maybe pull a tree out of the fairway to just kind of widen it up a little bit to give you a lane. Um, but if, if they could figure out a way of making hole one not hole one, I don't yeah, know how. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, I don't think it's a great. I think it's a great hole. I don't think it's a great starting hole. Yeah,
0: I described it like Ben Simmons. Have you heard the whole thing with Ben Simmons recently, mm. so JJ Redick on his podcast was talking about Ben Simmons, and he was like, the whole issue with Ben Simmons' jump shot is that he's not left-handed. He just doesn't know it yet. Okay. He's actually a right-handed player. Okay. And so he keeps trying to force his left hand, but really he's right-handed, and when he shoots right-handed. Blah, blah, blah. So, Ben Simmons, right handed player, thinks he's left handed. Hole one is hole 16 or 17. It just thinks it's hole one, right? Yeah.
2: Now, yeah. Essentially. I think, yeah, I think if they can figure out a, a different reroute to make that later in the round, I think that's really interesting because then you'll see the different strategy of maybe some people laying up and the layup play. I never did the layup play. Yeah. I was either curious about that
0: because last week on the podcast, you were talking about how you <laughs> thought on lead cards, you might see two, three, four people decide to lay up a 100-foot mm-hmm. shot and then go for it. But then, obviously, once you got out there, you didn't do that.
2: I didn't do it. A lot of people did. Like, yeah. Ricky Ricky laid up, I believe, one round. Yeah, he um, went OB
0: one round and then hit the drop zone putt.
2: Yep. Uh, there was a couple other people that I played with that laid up. So there were definitely people that were laying up. For me, I felt like laying up one, it, it was like not – you want to try to, obviously, push the OB as close as possible as you can – I just felt like that second shot after the layup was like not 100% guarantee. Mm. So it's like if I go OB, I can just pitch up from the drop zone and take a four. Yeah. If I lay up, then go OB, now, now I'm bringing five into play. Mm. So to me, it was always either a two or a four. Somehow I missed a 15-footer on the first day to get a three, which I believe I might have been the only person to hit the island <laughs> and get a three. There might have been one other person as well, but, uh, yeah, i that hole I just think it's a cool hole later in the round to really, you know, one put obviously a lot of pressure on you yeah. because I think it's 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 obviously an insane amount of pressure the first shot of the day. But if it's late in the round, I think it's gonna build up that pressure too. and then also just you know to allow some people that maybe have the lead to be like, you know, imagine if someone had a two-shot lead, and they're like, okay, well, I'm just going to lay this up. Now you're forcing the other person behind you to make a throw. They do make a throw. They get the birdie. You get the par. Now it's a one-shot lead with one to play or two to play. Yeah. It, I think it allows for that to happen. Or, heck, both people go for it. One gets it. One does it. Now it's a two-shot swing going into two more holes. I think I think it plays much better there. But all in all, like – I love that course, wind or no wind. It it will be interesting to see. Obviously, in August, it's going to be way less windy than what it was for us at DDO. Do I feel like 12 under or 14 under is out there? I do, which kind of sucks. I don't like that idea that, um, you know, I'm always the fan of like lower scores and like trying to have to, you know, not take bogeys on every hole. Yeah. So I'm wondering how much easier that course will play without the wind. But I don't mind the artificial ob everywhere. I think, you know, we kind of discussed this earlier. Like, what would what would people's thoughts be if they decide to just put lakes everywhere? Yeah, would they still hate the course, or would they say like, no, this course is sick because there's so many water. There's features. so much water. I mean, look at Memorial for example. Does does anyone ever give Memorial like there's too much water? Do you ever hear like there's too much? Ob
0: water. I mean, I'm I'm I've heard that from AMs that have played it. Yeah,
2: but I for, don't know the from, pros I don't know if from like I
0: don't know if I've heard that from pros. Is that being their take? I've heard or, too or, many Heisers or from people
2: watching it. Yeah, you watching don't really, it, not really, because yeah, it just
0: looks beautiful every time. Yeah,
2: it. so I wonder, I wonder if that's like, if it's not so much the fact that it's ob is the problem. It's the fact that it's just like flags in the ground someone I did see like we've talked about this like different cuts of grass i think yeah. could very help like the viewers like instead of just the white flags everywhere i will say like the grounds though weren't really that was one thing that i probably didn't like about uh both courses actually is how inconsistent the ground play was mm. because it's not really well maintained so when you're walking down the fairway and stuff you're gonna have some dirt patches. You're gonna have some dry patches. You're gonna have some long grass. You're gonna have some weeds. You're gonna have all this stuff, and so I'm not a huge fan of that. Of where two discs that land 500 feet away from the tee pad, and they land a foot from each other. One sticks because it hits a weed, and the other one skips ob because it hits like, a, you know, a, a, a dirt, flat, patch, a dirt or patch or something. Yeah. Obviously, you can change that with you know your angles and how the disc is coming in, but that's that's one of like my I would say pet peeves with maybe course maintenance and it's tough to do cause it's a park. Like I don't, they're not going to be able to like go out there and sod or, yeah. um, do, you know, maintenance on the grass side. But if they were able to control the length of the grass, that would be kind of cool. Mow the fairways, leave the, leave the OB long. And I think for spectators at home, that would be a more visually a- appealing course.
0: Yeah. No, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, what did you think of, because like obviously you went from Eagles Crossing straight to this, mm-hmm. Eagles Crossing, speaking of OB, they had, it looked like they had most of the time varying grass length, but they also had those massive white stakes, which was very visual.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: What are your thoughts on like something like that? Is that too in the way? That's kind of where Trevor and I fell on it, was it could influence the game a bit too much, but visual standpoint, it, it was very easy to know what was OB and what wasn't.
2: Yeah, I think that's the that's the tough that's the tough one, right? Because the OB white flags, I think, do a good job visually for people on the ground, like yeah. players. Wise, you could easily see where's OB and where's not. I think on coverage, it's a little bit more difficult to pick that up.
0: Yeah, it kind of just fades in.
2: It, it's not the easiest, especially with how you know wide some of the camera angles are. But the post, like you said, that brings in the other element. Of like okay, well, what if a disc is skipping out of bounds and it hits a post and stays yeah. inbounds, or what if a disc is skipping back into inbounds and it hits a post and it stays out of bounds? You're now adding in another element there. I don't know. I mean, they had they had like these uh, posts around a lot of the road, and uh, and I think we saw a couple times on coverage some people hitting the post and staying out of bounds, some people hitting it and skipping back inbounds. So the question is like, do you want to have more stuff like that of where it's like kind of, I guess if you want flukiness of whether a disc goes into bounds, I don't know. Player wise flags work perfectly. I think they work great too for the people on the ground, probably not the greatest for live coverage. And I think that's why maybe some people were upset so much with the artificial OB, but I I think if you are trying to make a challenging course, you have to have a lot of OB. We don't have, there's outside of woods obviously yeah we don't have an open kind of area park styles which i also think are good for disc golf like i think the shots that you can make in park courses yeah. are very interesting to especially to watch in person as well um i think i think those courses still should exist but the tricky part is like how do you make those courses difficult and I think the answer is OB because you can't just have like someone. We've all played courses where it's like, all right, if you throw it 500 feet off the tee, it doesn't like it doesn't, doesn't really matter, matter where you where go, you're yeah. going to have you know an easy upshot. And that's shot. kind of
0: been a lot of disc golf in general. It's yeah. just kind of like throw it as far as you can, get out there, yeah. yeah. Especially like park style courses. A lot of times, the only OB that comes into play is a road. And like sometimes for tournaments, they'll mark off like between two fairways, but a lot of times that doesn't happen. And so you have a 600 foot par four, and you're just in a field with obviously a lot of trees around you and stuff, but not like wooded trees. Yeah, and you can
2: always go over the top.
0: Yeah, you just chuck 500, well, like for me, 400 feet out there, and it doesn't really matter where I land. I'm gonna have like a 200. You have something, so I can just throw it without any care in the world. Whereas if I know there's OB. I'm not trying that shot anymore because I need to get something in bounds. So now I, I have to go Heiser or if I go for a big flex shot, I know I'm losing control I, and risking just being OB. I
2: really wonder
0: if the fans, how influenced the fans
2: are from the pros. A lot. A whole lot. Because if... to To be frank, there was a lot of complaining and whining from pros on social media. Yeah. Right? And so I'm wondering... Our fans seeing that and being like, "Whoa, okay, this course sucks." Like they're not, they're not able, and it's it's very hard to tell whether a course is good or yeah, not. Yeah. Well, great. While while, yeah. while looking at it, yeah. and not actually being there and playing. So a
0: fantastic example of this was the Texas State's course, mm-hmm. where they moved away from dogwood yep. to a more hybrid course. Mm-hmm. Obviously, more open. Players took to social media to voice their complaints about it not being a wooded tournament anymore. And the take that now fans all had on social media that I saw and we talked about a little bit was, oh, this is going to suck. This is going to be a boring Heiserfest. When that's not what the course was at all. Mm -hmm. It was was more open than Dogwood, but it it wasn't a Heiserfest by any means. But because the players had first said, we're upset it's going from Dogwood to a more open style course, then fans' opinion immediately hated the course. And they'd never seen the course. So I think that that's the same type of thing on a course like this where on coverage, it might just kind of be hard to know how you feel about it. You're not super, like, it's not the most gorgeous course you've ever seen, but it's also not, like, a, a awful, terrible course, and you're just watching it, and then your favorite pro talks about how they don't like this aspect of it, and you're like, yeah, this course sucks! And then you just jump on that bandwagon really easily.
2: Yeah. I, I, it would be really interesting if to hear from, like, fans' perspectives that didn't take to social media, and just watched it, and, and saw what you know, they saw, because I think what this tournament showed you a lot was the players that are willing to grind out an entire round, grind out an entire tournament, make golf decisions when it comes to laying up, when it comes to strategically saying like, okay, I could throw this 400 foot shot But there's a lot of OB up there. So I think it might be smarter for me just to throw like a 300-foot straight shot and try to get up and down. There was a lot more decision-making. And I think that also showed too with like how long some of these rounds took because it wasn't the standard just walk up to the tee, blindly throw your shot, walk up to your next shot, blindly throw it and move on. There was a lot of thought process taking place in multiple shots. Yeah. And so I... I love that as a player wise. That was so much more like, obviously, the conditions were tough. And I mean, I'm still pretty like trying to recover from being exhausted from this past week. But from a player's side, like that tournament was so fun to try to solve the puzzle every day. Yeah. Because it was so difficult to try to figure out the best shot to give you a chance for birdie. And then maybe even sometimes the best shot to just give you a chance for a par. And I think this course, this tournament, really showed or hopefully it really showed a lot of people that watched the type of players that are willing to bogey a hole and not give up yeah. and not quick. are willing to shoot four over par on the front nine and try to grind out something on the back nine to make themselves have a round and the ones that are wanting to play courses where they shoot 12 under par yeah and when they don't have a good day they shoot seven under par and if it's not set up that way the course sucks. Yeah. I don't, I think that's boring. As a fan, I think that's boring if we have every course, literally the winner's 40 under par.
0: Yeah, well, the biggest thing with that, um, from my perspective as a fan, is it's hard for any player, like, you're not going to see these big sweeping motions on the leaderboard. Mm-hmm. Where, like, going into this final day, yeah, Ricky ended up winning and he was the one who you kind of expected to most likely to yeah, win going. I mean, that
2: was my fault, obviously. Like I, I was the closest one.
0: Well, Simon had a charge and stuff where if, if Simon, Ricky if si- Ricky would have slipped, people were ready to get in. in Simon place.
2: Simon had a good charge, but he was he, he was, was far back. three shots behind me, I think, before yeah. the day started. Yeah. Maybe four. I was definitely the one me, Jake, we were definitely the ones that were obviously the closest in striking distance because there was very few people even under par.
0: Yeah. Um, Which was pretty, pretty crazy to see for a pro tournament. Yeah. And you know, I don't know
2: if that's why some people were saying that this was a very boring tournament is the fact that the closest people to, uh, to chasing down Ricky all kind of didn't get off to a great start on the front nine. And so Ricky's lead kind of expanded. Well, no, I was hearing it in
0: the first few rounds before that even happened. Oh, really? Yeah. A lot of it was about Jones Supreme.
2: Oh, interesting.
0: Um, now, back to the course being so hard and you had to like solve the puzzle. Mm-hmm. How much of that would, uh, or like your success in doing that, would you put on having a caddy that you could talk through each shot with? Because I noticed pretty much there wasn't a shot that went by that you didn't at least consult with your caddy in some way.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think it's always, I'm a firm believer uh, if you have someone that you trust on the bag. Now, obviously, this is the first time. I've, I've had Michael, which was uh, the caddy yeah. that I had at uh, DDO. It was the first time I met him, the first time I had him on the bag. Um, shout out to the collector group on Facebook. You, I, I can get a good sense of someone really quickly on like whether or not how, how we're going to vibe. Yeah. Really quick. I, I have a pretty good job of like, is this someone that's just going to hold my bag and kind of like give me a fist pump? if I throw a good shot or whatever, or is this someone that I feel like I could open up and be like, Hey, what do you think about this? And just have someone else here, you know, listen to it. I, I don't think necessarily you want someone out there like holding your hand to where you're just like, I don't know what to do every shot and they tell you, and then you try to do that. Yeah. But I think it's very beneficial of having someone that you can just like talk it out and you can be like, um, a good example. A good example is Jonesboro, hole eleven, easy par four. You go a little chip, hyzer out into the left, and then a chip forehand into the basket. Kind of a very unique hole. Well, I sawed off my tee shot and got like into the trouble. What I should have done is pitched out, thrown, and got up and down, made par, and move on what I tried to do was throw this like heroic shot through this tight little three foot gap up and over all these trees and then try to get like a putt at it. And it was funny. Chris, my buddy was on the bag at the time and he misunderstood what I was saying. He thought I was playing for just getting it out and chipping it and then laying up. And after the fact, I told him like, bro, you should, I feel like you should have maybe said something like that's a crazy idea. Like I was joking with him because again, as a player, you have to hold yourself responsible. It's not your caddy's fault, whatever you end up doing and deciding to do that's on you. Yeah. So I kind of jokingly said that and he's like, bro, I had no idea. That-. He's like, wait, you were trying to go for the pin. I was like, <laughs> yeah. And he's like, I had no idea. I thought you were just laying up. I thought you just juiced it. I was like, No. So I think like having someone where you can be like, "Am I crazy for trying this?" And if they're like, "Yeah, I would never try that," probably not the right play.
0: Yeah, yeah, I just thought that was interesting because so many players still either whether they choose not to or like I know some players say it just gets in their head, but I feel like in a round like that, it's crucial to just have someone like you're saying, even if it's you, even if you don't talk to them, just to know I can bounce this off them. So you look at a look at a shot and you're like should I get this aggressive? And you can talk to them and they can walk you through or even if you have them checking scores and be like, hey, just let me know if X, Y, or Z happens so you don't have to constantly be looking at it or so on and so forth. I
2: think this goes back to, again, like what we talked about of like this tournament is a real good indicator for not everyone, obviously, because I'm sure some people just had bad weeks. Yeah. Like I could have easily had a bad week. I played well. I played very well. But I could have easily had a bad week. Something, timing could have been off. I could have really struggled out there. So it's not indicative for everyone that had that didn't shoot well, but I think you can look at some of the scores and and see some like, yeah, maybe that person is struggling a little bit on the mental side. And I think what you just said is a perfect example of like where you were saying like, yeah, some people like gets to them having a caddy or whatever. Like when would you, in what scenario would you not want to have a coach with you if you could? Yeah. Like you look at tennis there, there are rules against, because the coaches are there, the trainers are there, like your family and stuff, a lot of times they're there, and they're in like the coach's box. like, And it's a lot of times like real close kind of to the players. And it is against the rules for the coach to be giving any sort of instruction to the player. And there's been people that have been caught like hand signals or whatever it may be, right? In and what, in what scenario, like if they could have like, hey, man, like, if they could like run over and like get some coaching or whatever, the, every tennis player would look at UFC in between every round. Boxing in between every round. What happens? The trainers and stuff jump in. Let the person know. There's very few scenarios. Basketball. Uh, foot, I mean, literally every sport I can think of uh, think of that has some sort of coach that you can utilize. Every sport utilizes it when they can, right? Tour de France. What do they have? They literally have people in your ear telling you your timing, where people are at, letting you know like, hey, we're coming up soon to give you a refuel, like constant information. I just don't know how that wouldn't be effective. And that's something that I feel like if that is an issue with you, because I actually was going through some really difficult mental troubles in my game. right? And I feel like my me tackling it and realizing like that is a problem and I need to figure it out. It has, it has led to me to like Jonesboro wasn't the greatest result, but I had good, I had some good rounds and I definitely had some good scores. And obviously this last week trending up, which is awesome. But I feel like, you know, if that is like a mental part, so like if people are watching this and they can be like, yeah, I don't like looking at scores or I don't like, I, I don't like, uh, having like a, a caddy, whatever it may be that you're struggling with mental wise, like instead of just saying like, that's a flaw of yours and being like, I have to deal with it. If you're able to somehow figure out how to attack it and fix it, you're going to be much better off. Yeah. And I, I would say like the caddy is just something where it's like, if you can get someone on your bag that you can vibe with and just have someone else out there because you shouldn't be relying on other people. yeah uh, other players yeah and i think a lot of people do that and it and it sometimes creates some like awkward situations so if you could have your caddy out there and that's the person you bounce ideas off of or talk to to make you not nervous or whatever it may be i mean i think it's so beneficial yeah it's very beneficial
0: yeah i've always felt that way i've had a caddy maybe three or four rounds ever and even like my performance in those rounds weren't the best rounds of my life but Mm -hmm. i felt like i didn't make a bad decision Mm. because every decision was so well thought out. Mm -hmm. Whereas, like, I've played some singles rounds where I don't have a caddy, and I, like, go look back after a round, I'm like, what was I thinking there? But then, like, at Collegiate Nationals is the best example of when I've had caddies, and, like, I can, whenever I am doubting a shot, instead of just having to think through it myself, I can just be like, hey, what would you do between these two? And sometimes they're like, I wouldn't do either of these, man. Look at this gap right here. I'm like, I didn't even see that. But they're standing back, and they see stuff that I don't see, and then after the round, I always feel way better because I didn't take a shot that I didn't think through. I think that's especially true on a course like this versus because there's some courses like Memorial. You brought that up earlier. Memorial, you can get through without ever thinking through a shot. No. Because you just chuck it. That's
2: that's honestly a lot of courses. Yeah, you just chuck it. No thinking involved. Yeah, it's just muscle memory. Just throw the shot.
0: Whereas a course like this, what it sounds like and what it looked like watching is if you weren't focused on every shot, scores would pile up yes and like i mean i think we saw albert tam i'm pretty sure i saw him take a 14 not to to single him out but i was just looking through a lot of who were taking a high number on that was there
2: was a lot of double digit yeah um, but it just scores
0: stuff like that one or two things happen you either gave up and like we're like no i'm getting this disc in bounds i don't care what it takes Mm -hmm. or it's just decision making where you get off that hole because if you've watched our videos recently i've had this happen several times you get off that hole and you're like what was I doing? I blacked out. I blacked <laughs> out. Next thing I know, I have a 10 on my scorecard. Like if I would just thought for a second on any of those, yeah. I think that's where a caddy comes in.
2: Yeah. I would say two things just to wrap up the caddy thing. The first one being just not having a bag on your back oh, for yeah. three or four rounds. Yeah. You can't tell me that doesn't somehow help just you physically feeling better throughout yeah. the entire round. And then the second thing is going back to when I kicked you off my bag. Heck yeah. Right. Like that... I'm the, still the only
0: caddy of yours that's been kicked off the back. That, that, uh,
2: that situation, like that's what I'm talking about. Where I was when I kicked you off is in a spot where I want to be able to blame everything and anything other than myself. I didn't want to take the blame that I'm throwing bad shots and I'm playing bad because of me. I wanted to figure out everything else that I could do. Yeah. And, you know, people do this with scores too, right? You, you look at the scores... Let's say um and I have a funny story about the scores here in a second, but let's say you'd go and you look at the scores and you're like, holy crap, I'm like below the cut line. And then you end up playing bad the next couple holes. You're just gonna mentally say, like, the reason I played bad is because I looked at the scores and I saw I was below the cut line. Yeah. Versus actually figuring out why did you actually play bad? Like what was the what 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 caused you to throw bad shots? Like what was it? And uh trying to find like an excuse that isn't on you and is on some other kind of thing of like, well, I had a caddy today and I didn't shoot well. So clearly it's the caddy's fault. Like I need to play without a caddy because I play way better without a caddy. Like when you start doing stuff like that, it's almost like you're superstitious of where you're making all these other claims and you want to be in a situation where it's just like, yo, there's gonna be some days where I suck. The question is how do I get through that round? and get the best score possible on my scorecard at the end, knowing that today's not really my day. And if you can do that, then you can kind of survive and stay alive and still kind of be in the mix. Yeah. Funny thing about the scores though. And this is also kind of an interesting thing. I think, I think I'm on the fence on it. And again, I'm one of those people of like, until it's like against the rules, I guess I'm not going to not do it. If that makes sense. So there's no rules of like not having your phone on you Mm -hmm. on the course. Yeah. I don't, I could see that becoming a rule down the road of where, you know, you have to leave the, your phones in the locker room or your car or whatever it is and, and not have it on the course. Cause it, I, I will say, and again, I'm probably one of the most, the people on my phone, probably the most, because I actually keep you disc on my phone. Um, so I'm always popping it out after every hole, but, uh, it was whole, I want to say it was whole 10 tens T I texted Kelsey. And I literally go, because I knew my front nine was terrible. I just knew I didn't play. I mean, obviously, I threw the disc outbound so many times. So I literally texted Kelsey. I was like, what spot am I in? Like, how far have I dropped? Because I knew, like, I didn't play that well. Yeah. And she's like, it doesn't matter. Just keep grinding. And it was one of those things of where I think, like, what she was doing was like, I don't want to let you know that you've dropped (laughs) so far. Yeah. But I do feel like my mental game has made a huge strive into being able to just dedicate all my focus on the shot that's at hand and try to execute that shot and not worry too much about um, what I've done in the past. Yeah. Right? So I feel like if she would have told me like, hey, you're in 16th place, I I would hope to feel, I, I believe that I wouldn't be like, holy crap, and then all of a sudden just go berserk and like you know really like just collapse the back nine um but yeah i think i think if you as soon as you can start trying to figure out like man i've just been shanking the crap out of my drives and they're just going left they're going left they're going left and instead of trying to like figure out like oh well i wore these new shoes and i was slipping and so like that's why i was throwing bad shots or um I mean, I remember, I remember complaining one round that my shirt was too tight mm. and I couldn't putt because my shirt was catching. Yeah. Now, Grant, like there might see a little bit of truth to that. Yeah. But whenever you like make excuses outside of what actually is probably the the, the root of the problem, it's very hard to get better.
0: Yeah. No, nah, it makes a ton of sense. I think
2: we talked about that way too long, Silas. You should have cut me off.
0: Yeah, that's Silas's job. You should have Julius Caesar, Silas. Silas. You should Julius. Have Caesar'd you ever Julius Caesared anyone, Silas?
1: Yeah, I did. I accidentally hung up on Oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. The accidental Julius Caesar. Well, back
0: to the, the phone thing. We'll get yeah. to... You have... Uh, after this, we'll get to... Obviously, you have a bunch of questions that has been submitted from Twitter and Reddit and stuff. Yeah. The phone thing, I think... I've never really thought through it. Trevor brought it up on GripLocked a little bit ago because he said to him, it was just crazy that people even use their phone. Like, that just doesn't... Like, in disc golf, it's always been a thing, but, like, no other sport are you athletes regularly using their phone... And I think that when it'll become a problem is, not to go back to this, but it's the most recent obvious situation, is the Elaine King thing. Mm. If that text, instead of, we've went over Elaine King's intentions, everything checked out, seems like she had very good intentions, was trying to help out Kristen Tatar. But what if she wasn't? Yeah. And she sends a text to Paige Pierce herself, and Paige is also malicious in this scenario that's fake that I'm creating, Right. And then Paige now calls Kristen on a rules thing that actually could have got her disqualified. So very, very hypothetical situation. But essentially, someone's watching the coverage, notices something that players Mm. didn't see, sends the text to a player, and then boom. Now, A, there's a whole bunch of questions around that because like video evidence just used, or we've talked about this before as well. I'm watching coverage and I notice on hole eight, there's a sneaky headwind and you're on hole seven right now. And I'm like, hey, dude hole eight, sneaky headwind, no one sees it. That's
2: what my caddy did on a couple holes for me today uh, during the final. Well, like when final. he just walked up he, and felt it? No, no. He, he went out early mm. and watched people well, see, play. That's fine. No, I know. But yeah. I'm saying like he did like kind of some scouting almost yeah. and was saying like, yeah, a lot of people I saw today were like coming up short and hitting this tree. The thing, the crazy thing is, what you're saying is like if someone was doing that virtually,
0: and it was basically live and information. live, yeah,
2: yeah, or or like literally, someone throws a drive. Let's say it's like a head-to-head situation. Someone throws a drive, and you can't tell how close that drive is. And someone's like, "Yo, that's a headwind putt, forty feet, death putt. He has no chance. He's got a tree in his way. Just lay up. You're good. Yeah, like so it changes. Everything. Obviously, it's still a crazy hypothetical, but, but these are, these are that all things happen. that. You, and the thing is, is you might say like right now, like who would do that? Whatever, when money starts getting involved, yeah, that is that is a game. Changer.
0: Well, it's also something that like
2: like when the money starts going well, up, who's to
0: say it hasn't happened?
2: Yeah, no, you can't, you can't say that it has. not happened But like happened that's yet. the thing yeah. of
0: like stuff like that, because obviously, like if you're sitting at home, you're like, why the heck does it matter if players have their phone or not? Ninety-nine percent of the time, it doesn't. it doesn't. It's a good way yeah. to pass time whatever
2: it does look awkward i would say again yeah i think it does even someone that uses their phone i think it does look unprofessional and kind of awkward
0: but it's still like a that's a personal preference thing more than anything but But
2: again it's advantageous to have it so i'm going to use everything i can
0: but i think those are the scenarios where like if that came out it's also giving an unfair advantage to the later cards who are playing while coverage is going on if that became a regular thing because then if i'm teeing off at 8 a.m I don't have coverage that someone can text me and let me know what's going on mm. versus now i'm on a card that's around the coverage time and i can have people texting me letting me know those things or if i'm in a scenario and i can have someone text me like you were saying of hey he he has no chance of making that putt whatever then it gives you or hey he's actually a lot closer you better be aggressive here when in your head you're like i think i don't think that got there i'll lay up yeah and like those type of scenarios who knows what past situations could have changed if players had just one more hint of information, and also who knows when that might start happening if people were like, hey, if they're not going to change it, because right now, as far as I know, that's pretty much in the rules of like, if I wanted to sit home and just text yeah. everyone I could on there's the card and just let them know. Yeah,
2: there's nothing against it.: I that. mean,
0: the only thing is like the rules question, that would be a blurry line of like video evidence, but I wouldn't be using the video evidence to call it. I'd be using video evidence to make someone aware of it. Regardless, yeah. I think that's, it's only going to take one thing like that to happen to change it forever.
2: Yeah, no, I agree.
0: All right. Let's get into some of the Reddit and uh Twitter stuff. Unless there's anything else from the event that we missed.
2: Um I might have actually wrote down one thing. Uh (laughs) let me see here. What did I write? Oh. Um oh I did want to get into this a little bit. Okay. Well first off, one thing I want to get into is just I I will just say it out there. If I do ever come across as like complaining Or whining about something please call me out because i'm trying i would i'm gonna try my best never to do that i just don't think that's a good a good way of going about certain things of like in a sense of like advocating for why you played bad Mm. if that makes sense yeah if there's something that is you know because some people would be like well you complained about them not having a driving range at worlds like if they're I feel like it's a weird fine line of like, what is something that maybe we should be like letting people know about? Like, Hey, we're at worlds. They didn't rent out the driving range. That's kind of weird. Or oh, versus like this course sucks. It's the worst course ever. I, I don't know. It's weird. I saw that a lot happening and I feel like it, it did. Like you said, I think it did taint a lot of fans the wrong way and so it made everyone just think this course this yeah. course sucks. sucked
0: well i think it sucks mainly because we're like, coming back to it for worlds so it didn't only taint this event but now but it's, it's it's having a negative effect on the world championship oh yeah everyone's soon. saying
2: like oh i don't want to see this course the two best players in the world on both divisions won yeah chris and charm right Ricky. yeah and then you look at the people that you know are, are right there the the calvins the chris dickerson's they were top 10 yeah and then on the other FPO side, I don't know who. I think Cat was right there. She Kat lost was, by one. Yeah, Cat was right there. So
0: And Paige was like in and out of the mix. She was never fully in it, but she was in top five. Yeah,
2: so I mean, it still was. like The people that are good at disc golf that played good that week finished high. Yeah. Um, the one thing I do want to say is I don't know if you saw this because I got called out on this a little bit of pace of play, which I think I'm actually a pretty quick player. And I try to pride myself on, like, in the the in between time. Like, you know, if your shot is up, but I'm like kind of off to the side. Like, I'm already trying to figure out how far I am, what disc, all that stuff. So that way, when you're done, I'm not like going through the beginning of my routine of like, oh, my turn, okay, uh, what disc? You know, I'm trying to do that stuff so that way the round does kind of fly by a little bit. And I think when you're on live coverage, this obviously was one of the few times that. I was in a spot on live coverage in a pressure situation. So you definitely get called out, I think, a lot more from the, the, the people watching at home of like, hey, you took forever on this. I think this is – and I've said this before, but I guess I'll reiterate it. I think the 30 seconds makes a lot of sense for like standard shots. Yeah. A tee shot. A 20 – a putt inside a circle with no obstacles a 200 foot approach shot with no really OB around, nothing really for you. Like Standard shots, I feel like 30 seconds is plenty of time for you to shoot the target. How far am I? Get up, do your 15 second routine, throw the disc. Where I I feel like the rule, and we've talked about this, I don't think there actually should be a 30 second time limit because I think what ends up happening is In any scenario that you take more than 30 seconds, people are like, oh, time violation. This guy's taking forever. I think it should be a pace of play situation of where they map out, okay, after the first three holes you should be at this time in your round. After six holes, you should be at this time. After nine holes, you should be at this time. And then kind of gauge that too off of how far away you are from the people in front of you. Now, obviously live coverage, when you have cameras getting set up, when you have to wait for spectators, when you have to move spectators, because there was three or four holes that we literally just were like, these guys are right in our way. We need to move them. So like that takes time. So you end up playing slower, obviously than the groups in front of you. But my whole thing is, Did I take more than 30 seconds on multiple shots? 100%. Should I? 100%. I don't think disc golf should be a sport where your disc is in a bush that you've never been into that first off takes you a while just to get into the bush to see what you've got going on. I don't think we want to have like these like shot clock situations where it's like five, four and you just like grab a disc out of your bag and jump in the bush and chuck it and hope for the best like those is we kind of talked about this on the last episode with the caddies of where we can get microphones like these um i not what do you call those silas the ones that they use on football games where they like they shoots them from way across the field and you can hear them
1: oh i I don't know exactly what it's called, but it's like it's like a big dish, the one with like the shield yeah. looking yeah. thing. Yeah. the, the, the dish. Big,
2: They have the big dish ones, and then they also have the ones that are just like huge microphones. Th- those are the ones that they use in golf. Where you don't have to get necessarily that close. Like if it's I, it's just a mic. shotgun mic. It's yeah. just a ginormous shotgun yeah.
0: mic. Yeah, it's basically okay. just like booming someone. Yeah, yeah,
2: like a boom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm talking. Yeah, about.
0: same, same thing. If if
2: they somehow had, like, I would say that would be like the next thing that I would love to see. Like the drone operator, great, we love the drone shots, but like the next piece for the live, I think would be incredible. Would be someone that has a boom mic or something like that, a shotgun mic that can go around and pick up better sound because a lot of times the camera guys are so far back and the the microphones on those aren't the greatest. I think then you're not just sitting there watching someone and you're not really able to hear what's going on and so I, I do think from a live perspective it is probably a little bit boring but if you could actually hear their thought process, again, talking to the caddy about what you're trying to do, what throw you're trying to do, I find that probably very interesting. Yeah. But again, my point being, if I take more than 30 seconds on a standard 25 foot putt, 100% call me out on it and be like, bro, you're taking forever to putt. But if I'm in a bush and I'm trying to figure out how to get up and down for par and I've never been over here, I'm trying to figure out where the OB is. I'm trying to see, like, is this a gap? Can I skip it? I'm trying to get all these scenarios. That's so, that's almost impossible to do in 30 seconds. Yeah. So that's where it's like, I'm okay with someone taking more time. Even when I'm playing with someone, I'm okay with someone taking more time on those type of shots. And then we just speed up the pace of play of like, okay, we walk a little bit faster now. Or the next shot, you know, it's a very basic shot. We're only going to take 10 seconds on it and we're moving on. Yeah. I don't know if it's really going to be that exciting if all of a sudden like we have this shot clock thing of like 30 seconds starts now. And and we're just having guys making terrible decisions because they don't have enough time to think.
0: Yeah, I've had I've had similar scenarios where you just described on like my cards where someone's in a spot because I'm a relatively just like I'm a very fast player, 99.9 percent of the time. Um, But I've played with some people who are like relatively slower players, Mm -hmm. and then you put that together with being in a bush or something, and I think that when it like. I've never been frustrated with them walking into the bush, taking time, like you're saying, figuring it out because that's what I w- I would want someone to be cool with me doing that. If I got in that bush, I have got frustrated if they decide after 30 seconds of looking around to pitch out into the middle of the fairway and then they take an additional 30 to 45 seconds to walk to their disc. <sighs> All right, now yeah. now I'm here. And they stare at their lo- like that shot in your scenario, like let's say that you pitched out, that next shot you should be ready to throw which I think, I'm not saying that's what happened with you. I'm just saying I think that's when it gets like drastic. On coverage, I think sometimes they made it look longer than it was at sometimes because there was How a few so. times where someone else was out and they didn't realize because you were already addressing your lie, talking yeah, to your caddy. Yeah, that's what I'm
2: trying. That's and
0: they put the camera on you, mm. and then you're talking to your caddy, and then they're like, oh, it actually is uh, Jake out or whoever, and then it cuts over, and he's ready to throw now. Yeah. So it looks like from our perspective – you're about to throw, taking, you know, taking your time, talking to your caddy. Now we cut to Jake. Jake throws in two seconds. Yeah, Really, he took the same amount of time, lining up his shot, but we only saw him for two seconds. And then we're back, and now you're at your lie, and now you're taking 10, 20 seconds. Yeah. And it's like, Brody just took a minute and a half to throw this shot. Jake literally threw his shot, but really you hadn't addressed your lie yet. It wasn't your turn to throw it yet.
2: That when I can do that, I think like when I, I mean, obviously I was throwing in the final round, I was throwing the disc all over the place. Right. (laughs) So there was multiple times of where they're all in the fairway and I'm like way out here. Yeah. So if I can get way out there, even though I'm not up, if I can get way out there and start trying to figure out what I'm going to do while they're throwing that, I think also speeds up pace of play. It's the same kind of scenario too, that we, you know, I do this a lot too, of where, you know. Also, this frisbee shout out real quick. Uh, the disc store that we have, Foundation Disc Store on Instagram, we're doing a, a giveaway. So if you want to follow Foundation Disc Store on Instagram, follow chance to win this. But we're gonna use this as. Can you see this, Silas? Yeah, you can see this. Okay, so if this is the yeah. basket, if this is the basket, your roll. Nice. This is someone's disc. It's twenty five feet away. Okay. Here, this is my disc. It's twenty feet away. Here we're walking up the fairway here. There are some situations where maybe these other two people are like parked over here. There's some situations where again, like I think this is something that is this against the rules. Maybe you can tell me, but I think it's like, Hey, do you like, we're pretty close Do you. Is, is it, do you want me to go first? Cause we're walking up here. If I go first, I can putt. they're all standing here. I putt and then now we all walk back here. Yeah. And now they putt, boom, boom, boom. Versus what sometimes they'll be like, oh, well, I'm out. So then I will walk over here. Right. Yeah. Because I don't want to stand right behind here. This guy putts. Then I have to walk all the way over here. And then these people two people have to, have to move. Yeah. Then I putt. Then they come back. And now you have like this slow situation. So I think there's a lot of things like that in my head that's just like, okay, those are like easy ways of, of, um, you know, speeding up the process. Cause obviously I know watching people want to see shots. And I think this also, this problem immediately gets eliminated when there's more cameras, right? When there's more coverage, they're not going to sit and have someone for a minute unless it's a very, very important shot, which at that point, I think that builds, right? Yeah. Like if, if someone's sitting on hole 16 and they're super at a DDO, right? The Island hole if Ricky walks up, let's say Ricky has a one-shot lead, and he walks up, and he has a caddy, and they're talking, and they're super indecisive, they're throwing up, they're like, the wind's going nuts, and you're hearing the conversation of like, I don't know, man, do you think it's a felon? I not, I think I can get my slammer, Like they're going back and forth. At that moment, I think that is exciting. Yeah. Especially when it's like the tournament on the line. When the tournament's not on the line, and it's just some shot, you're never going to see that. They should be going to the other 15, 20 cameras that they have on the course, right? And just like... yeah. Shot, shot, shot. So I can see, like, final lead card, especially when, like, most people are already finishing, and so there's only a couple people on the yeah, course. Yeah, I
0: think that's when it gets to be a problem. It, is gets, like,
2: it feels like, oh, my gosh, these guys are taking it? so it yeah. long. But it's yeah. like, in certain situations, it's 30 seconds when you have to, like, get into a bush and then get out of the bush, get a disc, get back in the bush. try it
0: Yeah, I, well, takes, I think it takes some time. In golf and disc golf in general, there's just some scenarios where it'll never be exciting, um, which the most obvious is like for the most part coverage this year, I think has done a good job of jumping around and showing as much cards and stuff as they can. But there does get a, a point where the lead card is the only card out there. And that might yep. be for the last two holes. And so it's like, we can go back to highlights. We can cut it to the booth and have Nate and Terry, you know, shooting the breeze. But if it's a scenario like this weekend where Ricky has the win locked in basically, yeah, and there's like two holes left, and it's just lead card out there. And you know, or even if it is just the final hole and it's just lead card out there, there's not that you can't fill the time with, there's only so much to fill the time with. Correct. And so, like, that whole scenario is way more exciting if it is like Worlds or something where, or USDGC where there is a lot of tension in the air, and we're walking, we're watching Paul or Conrad or whoever walk up to their lie, and there's so much on it, and you're on the edge of your seat, waiting from, then that moment flies Builds, by. Yeah. but when it's like we're just waiting for someone to tap out to win and like we just got to watch this whole hole and there's nothing else to show that's when it's like there's no way around that scenario is never exciting no matter how many cameras you have Correct. out there or anything so and, and again
2: 99 percent of the people watching probably are like thinking like brody you have no chance of winning this tournament why are you taking so long yeah well i'm trying to do the best i can yeah right so like me in the moment I'm playing as if I have the lead and I'm trying to win. Obviously, I I know that I didn't. Yeah. But I'm not just going to care, carelessly go out there and be like, well, I have no shot at winning, so I don't really care anymore. Yeah. That's just not how I am. I'm going to fight until the very last hole, and I'm going to try to do the best I can until the very, very last putt. So I, I guess sometimes it can be taken the wrong way. But just realize, I think m- for the most part, most people on tour do try to play at a quick pace. Yeah. Um, all Real right. Real quick, we got Yo. a
1: uh, we got a super chat from oh. Jonathan Adams. Uh, he's gonna ask a question. He said, "What are your thoughts on condition variability, uh, i.e., wind gusts that introduce element of consistent unpredictability that doesn't even apply across all players during each shot?" So I was just saying, like wind gusts. Yeah,
2: like, yeah. The gusts were obviously a lot were really terrible Monday or. Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Sunday, it was pretty much a consistent like 10, 15, and then I think it dropped even to like 7 or something towards the end. The The wind gusts definitely caused um, issues, but I think they were manageable in the sense of like throwing shots where they would uh, be minim- um, minimalized, minimized, I yeah. guess, would be the thing. So you know it's windy, right? And you know there's a chance for a wind gust you probably don't want to throw a shot. Like, for example, the shot that most people have seen with my forehand, Yeah. right? Where out of my hand felt great, looked great on the skip, and then a wind gust came. Craziest just, break I've ever seen. And then just crushed it, right? Yeah. That, like, when I came into that round, like, I knew stuff like that was going to happen. Yeah. It just was going to happen. There's nothing I can do about it. My thought is, like, over the course of three rounds, like that's going to happen to everyone. Like everyone's going to get some breaks. Some people are going to get bad breaks. And I think it's more about how you manage it and more about how you, how you do the next shot. Um, and it goes back to the same thing. Like what people are talking about, like why aren't people talking about rollaways, right? Like if we really want to talk about it, there's many times where someone hits a cage and it drops and then they tap in and someone hits a cage and it rolls 60 feet away. Yeah. like, there are tons of times in a disc golf tournament where you will get good br- heck, you th- you shank your shot and it misses all the trees and still works through, someone barely misses their line, it hits a tree and just goes straight OB. Like there are tons of scenarios whether it's wind, whether it's rollaways, whether it's like lucky trees, bad trees, there's tons of scenarios in every disc golf tournament that are either positive or negative for you, and mm-hmm. everyone's going to get them. It's just how you respond to them.
0: Yeah. Now, the only thing that I think this could be mitigated is, like, we do, like, it is Kansas, and we do know Kansas in April is yes. the windiest. So, yeah. like, the best way to mitigate it is if I'm the pro tour, do I want a pro tour stop in Kansas in April? Maybe, maybe not. Like, that, that's the only way yeah, to really think through it. I feel like that just makes
1: it more exciting.
0: Yeah. You know? From, I mean, yes and no. Cause like it, yeah. it it can be frustrating, you're right. you're but right. uh, right. I will say I do have to ask this. I completely forgot about the scenario you just mentioned, so I'm glad you brought it up. What did you y'all see? Cause like on coverage, we had a clear as day. Your disc didn't come back in bounds where you ended up getting the lie, where it like rolled up. No, it did. No. Yeah. Have you watched it? Yeah. It came so the roll back in by the basket came back in bounds.
2: No, look, look the camera angle. If you don't, if you're not looking at. Here, I'll pull it up right now. Because I did see a lot of people were like, oh, man, he he got up like 40 feet farther That was up. a
0: big talking point on coverage, too, on the commentary. I
2: know. But if you watch it, if you actually look at the whisker, it actually was a really good, it was actually a really good spot. And, okay, so
0: look. Sorry, we're having to watch this. Okay, yeah.
2: So for people at home, we're watching the shot.
0: It's on Brody's Twitter if you want to see it. Okay. See that orange whisker? Yeah.
2: It literally goes out right at that orange whisker. That orange whisker is edge of circle right there. So I take it pretty much right next to that orange whisker.
0: Oh, so it was just the camera. because like The camera
2: playing- angle. Yeah, the camera. The, this ends up going 50 feet past the basket.
0: Wow. Okay. Yeah. So the so, camera angle looks like you took it where this roll is. No. Right.
2: No, this is, 50, this is 50 feet past the basket. Wow. They don't pan out. They do. Yeah, that if you looked like now, look at it. Now that you know, yeah, th- now that, that you know sense. that's the whisker, okay. hold on. Yeah, now that you know that's the whisker, and that's your you disc? can see, yeah. how far deep that is. Yeah, because the like, camera angle, wow. the camera guy right now at this point is like probably 80 to 90 feet behind the basket. Okay,
0: I yeah, that makes sense now.
2: Yeah, so they, I basically ended up, I think I did probably take it maybe five to seven feet further up. Yeah, but like that's a normal. But, range. I mean, from where we were way back there, yeah. yeah no, so that,
0: That's a normal range. On the coverage, it looked like you had taken it where that mm-hmm. second roll happened. Yeah. And that's what the commentators thought, no. too. And so everyone was like, okay, well, that was an awful break for Brody that it went out. But then, like, he at least got a decent break because he took it 40 feet farther than he should have. Yeah. When really, you didn't. Okay. No, wow. Yeah. I'm glad I asked that then. Because I was sitting there very— There's a lot of— I was confused. On, like, I thought maybe y'all's perspective, that roll looked like it came back in. No, no, no. We never— I thought it No, was
2: I knew it never it never touched back in bounds. Because there were people uh, up... I think people up by the green thought it... Because where I was, I could easily see the OB line. Yeah. Because I was literally right on it. So the people up at the green, as they saw it rolling back, they were like, yeah, cheering, thinking that it rolled back inbounds. And I was like, oh, they clearly can't see that it never came back in. So yeah. I knew going up there that it, it it went out of bounds and never got back in. Um, but yeah, camera angles a lot of times will
1: yeah mess with uh, the perception of it.
2: mess yeah mess up some stuff so oh, there you have it hunter, all
1: right hunter back to that wind question yeah a, a part there's a part two oh, okay um he said is there a we a wind speed limit like th- so that
0: like a round gets canceled if yeah, we're playing yeah
1: yeah if there's a certain amount of winds certain mile per hour that'd be interesting i didn't know if you knew there's not no um I'm thinking, it's like, like shit there there's, be? like, 50-mile-an-hour winds. Yeah, you're, you're playing like, in that thing. Yeah.
0: I played in Hurricane Matthew in uh, South Carolina. They eventually called it because of thunder and lightning. But we were playing, and, like, I don't even want to know what winds we were throwing in. It wasn't fun. No part <laughs> was fun. There wasn't a stable enough. But um, I don't mind that because, like, the whole reason I hate – the only reason I'm thinking is the whole reason I hate the world distance record, <laughs> uh, which is, like, 1,100 feet or something crazy, is because, like, that wasn't, like, an 80-mile-an-hour tailwind. Yeah, it's it was the same like thing in like, the middle of the desert, right? Yeah, and when like when that. you're they running. should
2: have they should have yeah the, you're talking about like the hundred meter like there's yeah there's regulations there's,
0: of like a world record it's too can't fast
2: count. yeah if it's too fast and yeah too like much if you have assist. too much of a tailwind the uh, world yeah. record can't count well because, yeah, that like, makes sense it it's as assisted you. you but you yeah. can't you can't you can't shut down a tournament because of wind.
0: Well, I, I don't know. That's so
2: soft. That's so soft. Well, I didn't it know. It's like, not like
0: a safety well, thing. Well, what are they
2: going to do? Oh, this like is if canceled? Gusts
0: are I wouldn't think it's like 50 mile an hour. I'm thinking like 80 mile an hour wind gusts.
2: So you're playing a tropical storm.
0: <laughs> hey, with no lightning, that's, that's a tro- possible. That's a tropical storm. Those things can happen with no lightning, and then you're playing in that.
2: I don't think 80 miles per hour is – is, I don't think that's normal weather.
0: It's not normal I mean, weather. Kelsey, no. would <laughs> Kelsey, not. can you
2: get 80 miles per hour normal or is that trop? Or are you in a tropical storm? You might be in a hurricane. One tropical storm. All
0: right, so right, we'll put it at seventy-five.
2: You're in a tropical. We'll draw, storm. We'll draw the line 75. at seventy-five.
0: We'll meet in the middle.
1: <laughs> uh, okay, right. no, it's too I'll soft. See that. I'll see that rule. Okay, well. so I
0: don't think there's a rule on it right now. R- right now it's pretty much just lightning.
1: Yeah, or might be like it might be, like, mean, it might be more
0: obscure, of like dangerous conditions where like oh. if it's something where like a, I'll look it up. I'm pretty sure it's just lightning. That's the only thing I've ever been called in for is lightning. But I could see. All right. I could well, see if it was something crazy. We're going to go
2: to some Twitter things. You guys, I'll have you guys jump in when you feel like you need to. Um, okay. So, ad Nauseam asks, what changes did you make to your mental game to help you fight back on day four? Uh, so, this kind of goes back to what we were talking about a little bit about where I assessed the situation earlier this season about things that I was doing that I didn't like mainly i was so focused on my score yeah my overall score and not and i was i was lacking focus on each individual shot and so i've done a really good job of being able to try to i'm not perfect i still obviously uh, stumble and mess up every once in a while but i try to like put the blinders on everything when i set up for a shot and try to think about only that shot try to execute that shot, and the main thing is try to commit to that shot. So regardless of what it is, I would say I still probably had seven to ten times where I didn't do it this week and did not really have good shots come out of it. But I'm trying to work on like if I'm questioning or not 100% committed to a shot, I'll take a step off. Rethink about it and be like, no, this is it. Commit, 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 and walk up and do it. And have that, you ever read the job.
0: book, uh, Golf is Not a Game of Perfect? Gosh, no, I'm, I'm so mad you said that. Why? All right. I thought we've. That was a legit th- question. I thought we've talked about this. Have we not? Have we talked about it? I thought. Because what you just said, your whole mental mindset is like the what that book lines out. Okay. It's like almost where for It's written by a sports psychologist. It's about golf. It's about golf. It's about but golf. But it applies a baby. lot to golf. It's about golf mindset of like, not every shot's going to be perfect. So you need to go like. Shot by shot. No, it makes sense. And you can't change the shot you, you just took. To. Uh Summarizing a
2: lot. Our, our buddy Dust asked, the OB at Jones Park, and if people are whining too much about the OB, that was used. Yes. Shout out
0: to Dust. He was solo commentary on That's uh, Gatekeeper. That's hard. To do. He, did, he did a great job. Yeah, yeah if, I, think people,
2: I think people were complaining too much about the OB. We all had to play with OB. Um, it is what it is. Figure it out. Uh, Guy Fieri Says, are you a player that keeps up with UDIS? Throughout- Not the real guy theory. <laughs> <laughs> you, you thought for a second. Well,
0: you said it. I just had to look over and see if it was uh, him. <laughs> do I
2: do I check UDIS throughout the round? Are you aware of uh, position relative to the field after e- each hole? Do you p- just play your round out and occasionally take a look? So it just it's hundred um, percent situational. Mm-hmm. Uh, I knew I knew I was. So first round, second round, I looked at scores before my round because I think that is kind of beneficial to see what's out there. Yeah. Right? So if if someone you know, if people are shooting 10, 12 under par, you have like, okay, it's scoreable. If people are even to five under, you're like, okay, it's going to play tough today. Yeah. I think that definitely helps kind of get into the round, but during the round, I won't look at scores unless there's a cut. Mm-hmm. And I think that like going into the cut round, I think that I'm close. I'll normally Start probably taking a peek at it around then it like, could affect your decisions around like whole 12, 13, 14. Some in that round, I'll probably take a peek to see. Um, and then final round, uh, I won't look unless I less probably towards the end. You know, so what? I, I, just didn't, had I a- didn't look, I didn't look at where I was until um, the uh, until after my um, sorry. After my approach shot on 18 is when yeah. I asked my caddy, what place am I in? Yeah. And he said, if you make this putt, you tie for third. Nice. And I was like, Whew. and <laughs> I goodness. did not, I did not get an applause. Like I thought I, I, for throwing a shot like that and getting that close, you would think like the applause would be like, cause it's a blind shot. We can't really see where the disc ends up. So like the applause I got, like, I'm like,
0: I think I'm 40 feet. So you're thinking I got to hit this forty footer for three, yeah. to tie for third. Yeah, oh, we, boy. And
2: then we walk up and get over the, and I'm throwing the, I'm throwing my clear get freaky, which is nearly impossible to see. Yeah. So we get up over the thing, and I'm like,
0: oh, I'm parked. I'm, ins- <laughs> I'm inside, baby. <laughs> yeah. I'm tapping in. You know, I just had a thought I've never thought through. At least I don't think so. I wonder because, like, one of the most common things I hear pros and people I play with and all kinds of like. Disc golfers in general that I've played with and heard talk about scores, a lot of them talk about, like, I don't, check, I don't check scores. It messes with me. I don't want to know where I'm at. I wonder if, like, live scoring is a relatively recent thing to the sport. And mm-hmm. a lot of players that have been in the sport a long time just didn't have it. And so, like, when I first started playing tournaments, especially, like, I vividly remember the first time I had live scoring, it felt crazy to be able to see where I was at, and it really messed with me. Because I was never able to do that. Because what you would do is like, you had your paper scorecard, and even if you're on lead card, you could, I could see, I, I was in advance, I could see where I was at with my three card mates, but there are oh, tournaments where it's just a paper scorecard, no live scoring, I pulled ahead of my three card mates on lead card, and I kind of put, I put into cruise control, get in, I lost by like three I'm like, what the heck happened? So then <laughs> the next several tournaments, it, it became a thing where like you couldn't think about score because it, it didn't like the people who you were with, it didn't matter if I was beating up on everyone on lead card because like I couldn't see scores. So I had to just mentally get in a zone where I pedal all the way down. Interesting. So I'm wondering if a lot of disc golfers Obviously played habit. Yeah, and they obviously now, played in my era, the same era as me, where live scoring wasn't a thing. And now live scoring is a thing everywhere. Yeah. And you can get on to 16 and look, but it's I a hundred percent. That's like, like a mental thing of like i I never used to check scores, I'm not doing it now. If I would have played the
2: first like 12 holes way better, I a hundred percent hole sixteen would have looked. Yeah. 100 percent But I I knew like I knew that I basically had dug myself a hole. And I needed to climb out of it. Yeah. So looking at scores, like there's no reason to look at scores because, like, I for me to finish as good as possible, I need a birdie out. Yeah. Right. Basically, on hole ten, that's what I was thinking. Like, I need a birdie every single hole. But had I played the front nine a lot better, I 100% would have looked at yeah. scores to see, like, because most of those the back nine, there's very there's not really any hole. Maybe hole. Maybe hole 14. Hole 14, you can get really aggressive on your second shot to try to birdie that hole. That hole's very difficult. Um, But other than that, 16 and then 18 are probably the only other two that you can kind of probably play a little bit differently, like safer or not. So, Yeah. If it, if your strategy is not going to change, yeah. then
0: I've never thought of that. I, I guarantee you that's why so many disc golfers have trouble with the scores is because like it just wasn't a thing back then.
2: So Adam Maxi, why did why did the win make for more parity than a normal tournament? I think the two best players in this moment won their respective divisions. What holes would you like to see change going into Worlds? Uh, I'll just I'll just answer the first one. Why did the win make for more parity than a normal tournament? I think there's a lot of Really good, really, really good disc golfers that only know how to play one way. And when that one way isn't working on a course, they don't know how to go to plan B. There is no plan B. And so I think you saw a lot of people that they only know how to play aggressive. They only know how to try to birdie, 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 birdie. And that was not this tournament. This tournament was how to minimize penalties. How do I keep the disc in bounds? How do I get out of position and save par? And, uh, I think that's what you saw. I think the people towards the top of the leaderboard figured that out. And the people towards the bottom, uh, didn't, or just didn't have a good week. Uh, Jack Cody. Do you think there is anything to performing better with less practice time? Three fourths of the guys who went to Eagles crossing got top 10 this week. I see it as maybe playing more than in instinct.
0: I no, okay. <laughs> Hold up. There is something to this conspiracy theory and I think I know what it is. Oh boy. Eagles Crossing forces you to play golf.
2: Yeah, it does.
0: So I think prepping for the Skins <laughs> match and like that was better practice than being at DDO and practicing in like different conditions you're going to play because Eagles Crossing got everyone that was there in a Eagles mindset. Eagles Crossing is hard. Yeah. And it was a mindset of Par is okay. Yeah, I just I've shot got to, five over par on this course. <laughs> yeah, like I think Eagles Crossing got everyone in a mindset that went there because it had to get us in the mindset quickly of par is okay. I need to be very strategic where I want my disc to land, and that's what you need to do at the tournament.
2: I so, would say though, conspiracy
0: proven. I would. Well done.
2: I would say though, if I could have an extra day to get around at Country Club, I I would have taken that because I did not feel comfortable. That's at valid. Country club. I that's did valid. not feel con- comfortable in a lot of those shots. Um, thoughts on the winners of these tourney- tourneys attorneys, having a microphone shoved in their face, literally 20 seconds after they pull their putter out the final basket. And we've talked about this so many times. We've talked about it. I think again, going back to something that I would love to start seeing round ends, guys take their hat off, shake each other's hands, shake the caddy's hands. Everyone says, whatever that gives a little bit of breathing room. And then maybe the interview goes, I still think we should probably do scores. And then the interview. Um, But I think that also solves it. Because, you know, I wanted to shake Ricky's hand after he putted out to be like, hey, man, fun battle, congratulations. But, like, I stood off to the side because I knew as soon as he putted out, cameras and whoever was interviewing was going to come right there. So then it's like I just stand there awkwardly kind of waiting. I think it'd be interesting if it was the other way around but it is what it is i don't, I think, think, it's, it makes, I don't think it's that big of a deal Well, it
0: it's it, it, certain tournaments it is because like i think certain tournaments like it almost helps build the moment too if like you go back maybe you don't go back to the booth but you just like leave the cameras and you give the commentators a chance Some to breath. wrap up mm. and like a chance to talk about how big that moment was so on and so forth and then they shake hands they go whatever maybe even like have the trophy come out and like more of a presentation thing. We bring out a backdrop or something, whatever whatever you want it to do to the green and then like everyone shook hands, had a t- second to like take a moment like in. Cuz you're also I think going to get a better interview if you let the player have the moment settle first. Yes. Where like you just won a pro tour. So, Cuz we've had moments where a microphone gets in like eagle's face and he's like, "I won? I thought that putt was to tie." And it's like <laughs> You give him a moment first to shake hands with everyone and then you have a much more different moment in the interview of like, he already realized he won, it's already over, and now you can actually get his real thoughts and reaction to it. Oh, I just yeah. think it makes you, way could, more like,
1: sense. you could put together like a package of like all their shots right after they yeah. tap in.
0: One shining moment.
1: Yeah. Like March and Madness. Then, and then give him a little interview after.
2: Uh, Brett Carlisle, what's the deal with DDO not being a USDGC qualifier? No idea. USDC picks their qualifiers. Yeah, Innova chooses that. Yeah, and I don't know really the basis behind it. I I would imagine that anyone really knows.
0: I would imagine an event like I. This is just pure speculation, but I would guess they don't want an event that like is their competitor, one of their competitors' titled name, like the the Dynamic Discs Open being a qualifier for their event. Yeah, that's what I would imagine. It, I, that has makes, nothing to do with it, but I'm just, or it might have nothing to do with it. That's just my speculation.
2: It makes sense for like every elite series to be a qualifier. You but, would think, but, but
0: there there's some random a tiers that is very tied to that turn into qualifiers yeah. and stuff. So it's very, I think it, it's again one of those things where I think if this was the PDGA was in charge of this, who what's qualifying for the major, it looks different than Enova's yeah. in charge of the major.
2: Uh, Lennon wants to know. About the incident where Jake accidentally grabbed my disc on hole one. Uh yeah. I he just he he had a lot of stuff on the ground. Like he had his mini, he had his approach disc. My disc was like
0: his towel was next to your his disc. His towel I think that's was there.
2: Yeah, there was a lot of things right there. And so like he by accident just picked up my disc and then like immediately sat down and like looked at me and was like, uh I just picked up your disc. And I was like, okay. And and I was like, uh and like Ricky's like, just put it
1: back down, it's fine. Yeah. Why, why he was, was like, he, why, right. why was he so close to your disc in the first place? Like I, I, his, I didn't know where his we, lie
0: was. We do discs next to each other. Oh, that's okay. where his lie was. So he, he putted and then I didn't see it. I didn't his see towel it. was like right next to Brody's disc. So he just picked it up, picked up Brody's disc, and then yeah, the rule is like it just, just goes. Put back it
2: right down. back. Okay. Yeah. That's simple. That's what it happens. Easy peasy. Uh Chris McGill, how much artificial OB is too much? Alright, we already talked about that. There's no such um, thing. Ooh, Brett Downing with the good one. 888 versus 999. There were 14 players that DNF'd. Do you really think they were all sick, hurt, personal issue, and notified the TD? Or did they just screw the, this wind and I want to protect my rating? You never see 888 being applied, and it should I've seen 888 be applied. So many DNFs.
0: So, so Silas asked what's that, and that's probably a great question because viewers probably don't know. So, essentially, when you DNF, there's two different things. A 999 doesn't affect your rating at all. It has no effect on you. It's when you get injured or whatever, but the key is you notify the TD. An 888 is you blow up in the middle of the round, you say, F this, and walk off the course. You don't notify the TD, and there's no real reason. You're just saying, screw it. And the eight eight eight, I forget exactly how it factors, but it factors to negatively affect your rating, no matter what you're rated. An eight 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 goes in to negatively affect your rating. Typically, an eight eight not used because a the TD, it's not the TD's de- decision to make if that player's faking it. That yeah okay, that beasting thing really did you in. All right, you're faking it. Like you know what I mean. That's not the TD's decision. If a player comes to you, even if they said it's their right ankle and they're lifting on, limping on their left foot. If they come to you and say, "I'm injured, I'm not <laughs> that playing," that's
2: something to do. Yeah,
0: if they say, "I'm injured, I'm not playing," oh, whoa. <laughs> and then you nine 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 them, you you give them the DNF that doesn't hurt their rating. You don't. It's not your job to question and be a doctor. So, assuming all of these players reached out to Jeff Spring or the tournament staff, whoever they needed to, and said, "I'm not going to be able to make it tomorrow," or "Hey, this is what happened during the round." Even if it was the wind got in their head, if they reached out and were like, "Hey, this is what happened during the round. I'm really just. I feel like I can't push through it. I'm gonna have to drop out." Then yeah, you give them a nine nine. So they're all 999s? I believe so. I uh, didn't.
2: I didn't look. I uh, will say I've
0: I, seen eight eight eights applied in a tournament, and every time it's been very justified. Where it's like a player just literally doesn't show up or doesn't say anything, or. A player like yells expletives as he's walking to his car and just, it's like the TD's like, I don't even care if you come tell me you're leaving. What you just did, 888, it's over. I think
2: this is all I'll say on the matter. I think you would see a lot less DNFs because 14 a lot. Obviously, COVID hit. Yeah. Some people got hit with COVID, but I think you would see a lot less DNFs. And we talked about this a little bit uh, earlier today. You'd see a lot less DNFs if ratings weren't so tied. To players sponsorship money Mm -hmm. the fact that like let's say silas that you're at nine nine eight and you're with uh let's say gateway right and gateway's like silas for you to get to the next tier man as soon as you hit a thousand you break into that next tier aren't you going to be more incentivized that if you are having a bad round in a tournament to just say like oh you know what my shoulder's starting to hurt a little bit i'm gonna bounce out of here yeah. like you're more you you I think that comes into players' heads a lot more when it it's literally directed to their livelihood. yeah. and so I think again, as soon as we see ratings just disappear from the pro scene, I think you would see a lot less
0: players. Yeah, I remember than DNF. I remember that was a big thing. Um, there was this one player in North Carolina that I was somewhat good friends with through collegiate disc golf. and um, they were trying to get sponsored by Innova. And they had a really good relationship with Innova, but at the time, to get on whatever team they wanted to, Innova said, We don't, ex- we don't even look at an application if someone's not 1,000 or 1015 rated. I forget what it was, mm-hmm. one of those two. And so, what ended up happening is this player, for like two years, just picked and chose what events they knew they played good at and did that for two years. And sure enough, boom, like 10, 15, 10, 20 rated and then got sponsored by Innova then they played everything they wanted. They were a very good player. That was probably the close to their true rating, but there was many tournaments where this player like chose not to play or cho- like it affected their decision making. This way, you know, it doesn't really matter who what you do or don't play, but it's a similar thing where like it was all based on this arbitrary number that we've seen multiple times doesn't really make any sense. When you really try to look at it and try to make it make sense, it doesn't. And then uh, it's based on that, and so the players can like pick and choose and be like, "Hey, I I'm gonna drop out of this, or Hey, I'm gonna stay in this, but I'm gonna make sure I tank it so it's more than a hundred points below, so it doesn't affect my rating. Because I've seen that happen too. Yeah, which that you can also be aided for. Side All right.
2: note: We uh, I posted something on Reddit, the land of I love Reddit, the land of no. Yeah, I, re- get, I get, no get so return. many.
0: Uh, I get so many topics for uh, grip lock from Reddit. Isn't it just like Twitter? No, it's uh, a, it's a forum. It's it, more yeah. it's more like oh, okay. you post a topic and then people go back and forth underneath it. Uh, there, there's
2: a lot of people on Reddit that have no problem with uh So in that aspect it's Twitter. expressing
0: their minds. Yeah. A lot of people are say. just uh more free with what they think on yeah, on Reddit. They just let it flow. It's a lot more anonymous. Yeah. Okay.
2: Um so yeah, I went on Reddit and I said, "Hey, give me some topics. What do you want to hear uh about and uh, let's see what some people said, and then we'll wrap up the show. What do you say? Yeah. Um, iPats or L LPats said, will you ever consider a bucket hat for future tournaments? How can you say no? I mean, I don't think I would look good in a
0: bucket hat. I that doesn't like I, matter. Okay, that's not the that's question. That's not, not important. You're going to play better. I did see uh, the person, the company that like made Ricky's bucket hat, like had to put out this post on social media today to like do damage control a little bit because apparently they like sent Rick the bucket hat as like a test thing of like, hey, we're thinking about making these type thing. And Rick loved them, obviously. And so he he rocked (laughs) it, matching his poll on the final day, and it blew up because like, ricky's had like his snapback rick era raincoat rick and now bucket hat rick like he's taking on different personas right (laughs) and so bucket hat rick kind of blew up and apparently their site was flooded of people searching for bucket hats and they had to be like hey guys they're not they're they're coming in june we're going to do pre-orders now since ricky wore them but like it kind of seemed like he really wasn't supposed to do that and now we got to figure something out (laughs) it's pretty funny Uh,
2: ACET disc golf says, congrats on your DDO finish. I have a few. I'd be interested to hear you respond. What does your third place finish mean to you? And what do you think you need to work on most to break the top 20 reliably? Um, third, third place finish just really means that like, if I stick to my game plan, I play well, I can contend at these tournaments and that's, that's where I want to be. I want to put myself in as many positions as possible to win. Um, what do I need to work on? I would say again, just consistency. There was probably a handful of shots that when you look back at it are pretty standard, like up and down situations where, you know, the top guys are getting up and down or at least giving themselves a putt, you know, nine out of 10 times. And like three or four of those times I threw it. OB like just kind of, like I was talking about lack of focus or just the consistency side of where I'm just still not that good. I still need to work on being able to consistently execute a shot. Mm. Uh, what has been the hardest part about your journey to achieving 10, 20 level disc golf? What do you think your ceiling is? Hardest part of the journey so far is probably just like the time commitment, the amount of time that you have to put into it. Uh, you end up having to sacrifice a lot of stuff. Uh, what am I, what is my ceiling is? I don't know. I, I I don't think I'm close to it. I'll tell you that much. But I don't know. I don't. The know ceiling is, is the
0: roof. You know.
2: Um, what advice would you give to someone starting out at competitive disc golf career in their 30s, whether having an athletic background or not? Um, I would definitely say like, if you're not used to the wear and tear on your body, to like start off slow. Like, don't go out to a field and just start chucking discs every day um, slowly build into it. Uh, we recover way differently in our thirties than we do in our twenties. Uh, the knees are good. What fitness routines have you found most helpful? I've just been doing a lot of weightlifting. How did you go about developing your form and what room do you have to improve it? So I've tinkered a lot with my form. And I think that's another thing that I've really worked on the last couple of tournaments is stop trying to, copy and mimic other people's forms so much and just do... Sometimes just doing what naturally is working for you, like what naturally feels good for you, is fine. Um, And the easiest way of doing that is literally if you look at like some of the top players, Dickerson, Ricky, Calvin, and you look at all of them, their forms all look completely different. Yeah. And they're all really freaking good.
0: I'm excited for the day. I think it's got to be soon at this point. Oh, here we go. Where... In most other sports, there's like there key, th- This is all true. And most other sports, there's key proponents of like this is required for yeah. a successful swing, a successful basketball shot. And then there's anywhere other you go things, between that, yeah, doesn't matter. As anymore. long as you get to X point yes. in a in a throw, as long as you get to Y point in a release, how you get in between that is up to whatever most comfortable. And we don't really have that data yet in disc golf of like you we know the power pocket, but like that's still kind of arbitrary. But like beyond that like data of like these, we analyzed the top 50 players' form and they all did this, this, and this yeah. in different ways, that's going to be a really exciting time because then you'll really know, okay, well, I'm really comfortable doing this and that doesn't hurt me as long as I can get to here and then get the disc to here and blah, blah, blah. Yeah.
2: Uh, JBM Murray says, what about Ricky's game stood out to you the most this weekend? Playing several rounds with him up close, what made him play the conditions so much better than anyone else? So, I played with him the third round, and um, I didn't really notice anything that much drastically different that he did on the third round. That was like, oh wow! Uh, I, I would say he was better probably than I was at his height control. Mm. So I definitely on two two or three holes that were actually pretty easily birdieable. I definitely threw it too high and allowed the wind to uh, affect the disc more. And he probably threw it 15 to 20 feet lower than I did and got more ground play and worked the disc that way. Um, so I think he did that better the third round. Fourth round, easy answer. He threw forehand like on seven tee shots. I never threw a forehand on any tee shot except for the one forehand hole, the par three with the big bush. Um, that's going to be a big, my biggest game changer going into Worlds is – I'm literally changing my play on like 60 shots. i going yeah. forehand.
0: Is that something you think you would have came to had you had a practice round or two on the course? Like, is it, was it that I don't obvious want to make that, I don't want to make that excuse. Okay. Well, I, was, I wasn't trying to give you an excuse. I'm just saying like, was it that obvious? Or was it just like once you watched Ricky play his game, it was like, oh, that makes sense, but I would have never thought of it. Tough to say. Okay.
2: I will say once I saw Ricky do it, it was like, Wow. Yeah, that that is obviously the play there. Yeah. Tough to say whether or not I would have figured that out myself. Yeah. Um human condition. Charlie Eisenhood made the case on the upshot that former ultimate players have an advantage in windy conditions. Do you agree?
0: I've never played Ultimate Day in my life. I would feel like no, but I, that's just because I feel like you don't, wind affects why,
2: ultimate so much. Why favorite. would it? Yeah. I would say the only reason I, I I would say the only thing that I felt like I am comfortable doing. And like I talked with Ezra with this and like something that he's not very comfortable with is I'm comfortable with like just spinning the disc and not doing any arm. So I'm comfortable on a 20 foot putt, just going from here and just doing like that. Mm. No arm, no push, nothing like that. Just here and just snap. Yeah. And uh, if you watch like Simon putting, he was, he he has a couple of really sick highlights from this week. He, that's exactly what he, how he was putting. He was just like here and he would just like pop it and just kind of get enough spin on it to where it stays in the air and it kind of just like floats through to get to the basket. Yeah. Versus like if you're trying to juice it and you miss or it hits the chains and like, you're adding so much force to where now a lot of bad things can happen to it. Where if I just pop it and I miss it a little bit, it's just going to kind of yeah, flutter. But it next still to has enough spin
0: to fight the wind.
2: Yeah, I would say that's advantageous. Everything else, no, there's no. I I don't know how throwing a huge. One thing lid... I'd say
0: is like maybe because the wind affects an ultimate disc so much more that you get a lot more.
2: Do you know how I throw ultimate uh, into the headwind? Do you know what angle I throw? Probably an like star? This.
0: Yeah, I throw like that. Yeah.
2: I was never doing that. Yeah. I was doing the exact opposite. That's, well, I'm just trying to think of argument. I was actually argument. going overstable like Annie. Yeah. Super overstable Annie into a headwind to try to keep it down and low and just I was just trying through. to think of his argument. Yeah. I don't know. I would love to hear why he thinks that. that I mean, I would definitely say yes. If, if we had to play DDO and the only thing you could use were understable putters – Yes, I feel like I would have a huge advantage, <laughs> but that's not how we played. That's not how we played DDO. Uh, do you feel that the OB on DDO courses? We already talked about that. Um, Venom asks, "How big are your hands? They look gigantic."
0: That's pretty big. I, I mean, I can palm a basketball for reference. Okay, there you go. Hunter can palm a basketball, so um, don't question me, Silas. Don't I feel quit.
1: like no. You're, I feel like you're. I lying. can definitely palm a basketball. <laughs> Are you Ooh, looking around for way. a basketball? Yeah, we
2: should. There's I a soccer ball right there. That one. See, if you can't palm that soccer ball, you can't palm a basketball. Well, that actually might be hard to palm.
0: It's definitely gonna be harder to palm
2: because that's gonna be like slick. Okay. okay.
0: do you believe him now, Silas? Well,
1: that soccer is smaller. Get wrecked, basketball. Silas. <laughs>
0: yeah, but the basketball you have
1: the grooves to get into. Um, I'm not thinking of grooves. What? Like the actual like basketball uh, has grooves. Your fingers. You, you don't just s- pick it up.
0: I can pick it up. Yeah, but I'm, my fingers get in the. But they grooves.
2: have. Yeah, they have like little things that you can. All right. you can yeah. Get in
0: there. I wouldn't make that up. That's a very easy thing for me to be disproven on. We'll see. Okay. Um. All right.
2: We'll do one more, and then Silas will do a couple live questions. All right. Uh, I disc wants to know why are you moving out of Virginia? He hates me. Um. Well, you know. <laughs> Uh, uh, so the off season, Hunter can say what he wants. The off season weather in Virginia, not ideal. It's and, not
0: ideal to, for practicing disc golf. Okay, I will. I'll hundred percent give you that. Yeah. So if you're trying to be very good at disc golf, <laughs> Virginia is not the best place to pick.
2: Yeah, that was hundred percent. So, 100% so the off season, it was really really hard to practice. And, and then I would say on top of that, when I am gone on tour, Kelsey's kind of by herself in Virginia, which sucks. So going back to Dallas, it will be nice that she will have her family and friends kind of around there as well. Um, if you didn't know, Kelsey's from Dallas. So literally all her family is in Dallas. So that will be nice. But with that being said, I will be in Virginia a whole lot. And also, now that I'm in Dallas, now Foundation can kind of come down to Dallas as well and enjoy some of the weather. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm actually, I think this off-season... I think it's going to be actually really good for the company.
0: I think content-wise, it's going to actually end up helping us. Because at first, I was like, dang, this is going to kind of suck this off-season. But then I started thinking about it. I was like, well, realistically, A, I think when we're not together all the time, like me, you, Trevor, Connor, Mm -hmm. when we like travel to Dallas or you travel here, like even in the middle of the season... The like we're all way more excited to film yes. which just makes better content one true Two, bouncing back and forth because now there's also opportunity where one of us going to have to travel anyway so it makes way more sense of like now in this situation if we're all in virginia it's a big ask for all of us to meet in florida mm-hmm. or meet somewhere else but if we're having to travel to dallas or you're having to travel to virginia it's like or we just both hop on a plane and meet halfway somewhere or meet in florida or meet wherever yeah we
2: can go in different spots too and and, so i feel like for the
0: channel it's going to end up being better because i think we're going to end up getting a much wider spread of content and i think that what we have this season that we didn't have is someone actually managing the online store and warehouse so that like when we're gone for a week or two weeks the uh, we we won't miss a beat when it comes to the online store which that's something that wouldn't have been true last year yeah, I don't so. think
2: I don't think people at home will really see that much difference in the content that we're producing.
0: Yeah, if anything it'll be better.
2: It'll be better. And then obviously the podcast and stuff will still do virtually and all that. So yeah. we'll be we'll be solid. We'll be good. What's that? Finally. We, we have fiber silas. Get excited. There you go. You we can also live, have you can a couple stream now. We also have a couple extra rooms. We have a couple extra rooms too Man. for you guys. So plenty of space. Well, plenty of space for everyone. Just lots of corgi hair.
1: You got some live questions, Silas? <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. Uh, the Claw Shooter says, there needs to be a rule that trees cannot be within the putting circle. No. Thoughts? I, You know what? I used to agree 100%. I really did.
0: And I was fully on team circle needs to be wide open. But circle needs to be strategically planned is where I'm team now. So I think that it it shouldn't be, I don't know why I'm talking about the circle as if it's like a third person person, but I am. (laughs) I think the circle needs to be strategically planned to where it's fair. I don't think there should be like thorn bushes and stuff inside the circle. I'm not a huge fan of that, but I also think it has its place because like what it does is it makes you, when you're throwing a shot inside the circle, be thinking a lot more of I know there's a bunch of trees on the right side, so I need to put the shot on the left side. And that's stuff that like we talked about this weekend. That stuff in disc golf you just don't have to do a lot of right now. And so instead of looking at it now as its unfortunate break when I land on the right side of the the circle and I now have a straddle putt from 20 feet, I think of it as like, well, I knew if I land on the left side I'd have a wide open putt and I still land on this right side. That's my fault. And so I think that it's actually when done right should be a strategic design of the course versus seen as like a fluky gimmick. So I used to be on his team. I flipped. I don't know if you agree with that. Yeah, but I'm,
1: I'm the same way. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, I, I was trying to find it. It was earlier in the show. Someone was talking about the distance between like Brody, like say you're on your card and the spectators, the distance between how far they are back, mm. why that changes so much. From tournament to tournament or like within the same tournament? No, he was talking about within the same tournament. Mm. Are you
2: talking about like spectators on the fairways?
1: Yeah, like behind you guys, like so, walking. Up. So
2: yeah, so like DDO did a really good job of like same thing. It was the same thing at Jonesboro. It was just honestly a lot of these pro tour events are starting to turn into this of where spectators aren't on the fairways. Yeah, so they're on the side of the fairways and they can get around the the side of the fairways and get you know close to the greens, but no no one's behind us anymore. And I think one that looks better on coverage, two, yeah. I think it also kind of separates the two out, so you don't end up having some any like what you've kind of talked about before where like you just end up having some like weird like kind weird of, in between groups yeah space. weird in between where like some people are just like meandering kind of closer and closer. so uh, yeah, that that kind of doesn't exist anymore, or at least it hasn't in the last couple of events,
0: yeah, yeah. I think the reason that it would happen previously and if it does happen again. Was that weird line of people where there's a card, there's the official media, Jomez, live, those people. And there's people where, like me, when I fall into this of like social media, you know, reporters, you know, people who are writing for blogs where we don't have to be up with the players, but our job requires us to be in front of the gallery. And we're just in this weird in between space. And sometimes what will happen is the gallery meets up to that line of those people. And so, where that line is would vary because it's like the gallery is just walking and being directed by a person, and it's not really like how it is like Brody's describing, where there's restricted areas where only the gallery can't go within that. I think that's okay. kind of
1: why it's happened previously. Brody, does the media still uh, walk up with you guys? Or mm-hmm. Are they on the fairways? No, no, they're they're the still fairways?
2: they're still in the fairway. Okay,
1: okay yeah, cool. cameras and all that stuff. Do they have like passes on like like media passes? I don't believe so.
0: I don't know if the official crew do because like okay. Jomez all they wears they all wear the, they all have uh, uniforms. Yeah, essentially, gatekeeper day, has uniforms. Yeah, and the pro tour all like has all the, the gear. Media but people. social media, we have badges. Okay, nice. You have a because okay. uh, that's great. I haven't seen because those people. Then how do you differentiate? They might not be at events right now. Yeah, I really
2: haven't seen uh, any social media. I've the only people that I've seen have even caddies have, have caddy badges. Caddies, yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, but like whenever because even support, I think support players now or support people can't be inside the ropes. yeah i
0: believe whenever i've went to events in the past and this could have changed i haven't been to an event this year i'm given a media pass because you know most media people you've no people have no idea who i am and so i'm walking in i haven't and seen that yet you can't year. you know i've been yeah. told multiple times like hey get behind the ropes and i'm like oh i have a media pass i'm sorry because you're, again you're in a weird spot because yeah. you can't be up with the players because that's not where you're supposed to be right. but you need to be in front of the gallery because you're there to get media. And it's, so it's easier. A weird thing, I think it'd be easier now that yeah, on the side, yeah. it'd be a lot, a lot easier. Yeah. But yeah, there are badges for like that, that group of people. Yeah, and okay.
1: for caddies, right? To help differentiate. No, I think it should be. I think that's yeah. great.
0: It's like pre- it's like a it's press like every pass. sport. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, every sport has. Yeah. Oh, uh, nice. All right, we got a question for Brody. What's the best airline to fly, Brody? American Airlines. There you go. I think it's fully regional.
2: Yeah, that's just the hub out of
0: Dallas. Um, yeah, that's all we can fly out of Lynchburg, and that's the only airline. Out it there. used to be Delta out of Lynchburg, oh, and they, they switched, it? and it was crazy because like my my dad, his all of his business cards he built up airline so points, miles. so he had a ton of Delta oh. points. Then they switched, and we were just like, "What do we do?" So we started flying out of Roanoke because they still had Delta. So we just drive an hour, fly out of Roanoke, and then he built up American Airlines points. Crazy stuff.
1: Um, it was wild at Lynchburg airport. <laughs> Our one gate was popping. <laughs> Yeah, and you can only go to Charlotte. Like, that's it. Yeah, it used to be Atlanta. Oh, really? When Delta was here, you went to Atlanta. Oh.
0: We actually, at one back point, you could day. go a few different places with Delta. They treated us like kings. Yeah. <laughs> but now we have all jets. So the, you, had, you had propeller planes back then. Times have changed, man. There was like 20 people on the flight. Upgrade. and It was just two propeller planes. <laughs> it was terrifying.
1: All right. Uh, we got one from Brendan. They say, "Do you anticipate any changes to either course for Worlds?" I
2: do. I think I think there are some, like uh, you know, good critiques for some of the holes that like, I don't think hole four will stay as a 600 foot par three. I think they'll probably tweak hole ten. Hole twelve probably will get tweaked to a little bit. Um, sorry, hole ten and hole twelve at Supreme eighteen. And then hole four at DDO, so yeah, I think maybe maybe hole fourteen at DDO might get tweaked a little bit too. I don't know, but yeah, I think I think they'll listen and hear. I definitely know like uh, the spectators where the spectators um, roping was. I definitely know they will start. They'll push that back. Yeah, I I heard because um... there was multiple holes where the spectators were in the the line, and I don't think we should be playing the game of like. Well, I hope the spectators get out of the way. Yeah, like they should be. I you heard, shouldn't have to have. But them that's like how dodging. it is in
1: golf, isn't it?
2: No, you're not. Hi- you're not f- hitting it's golf balls. You're not hitting golf balls over spectators to have it come. Know, unless you're getting really Sometimes aggressive. You're like, no, you might shank a shot. Yeah, yeah. Sure, I'm talking about there's certain holes at you there's certain holes at DDO where the shot is to throw it wide because oh, okay. obviously discs don't fly straight. Yeah. The shot is to throw it wide. And then have it come into the fairway. And the people are not, it's not like you're just throwing over them. They're like here and the fairway's here. You're throwing this way, and you're literally having it. Does that make sense? Oh, okay. You're not yeah. initially just throwing over them and then it fades in. You're having it fade in to where they are.
1: Yeah. And That's, a lot
2: of times, like yeah. maybe playing that skip from out oh. of bounds, inbounds.
0: I did hear Nate Doss mentioned that he had talked to Eric McCabe. And Eric McCabe had a notebook that he was writing down what changes yeah. he wanted to make for Worlds. And Nate Doss did say the majority of them weren't hole changes. The majority of them were spectator changes mm-hmm. of where they wanted spectators to no longer be now watching players play. Yeah.
1: Was there a problem uh, like having too many spectators and not enough space? No, 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 no. no plenty no, of space? No, plenty of space.
0: Did no. they sell out spectator passes? No clue. Okay. No clue. I just wasn't sure if it was like another how one much, of those. How much money did that make? I haven't seen. As I mean, of this morning, I don't think the payouts have
1: been posted.
2: They still haven't been posted?
1: As of this morning.
2: Did they get posted on Wednesday?
1: Oh, they just got posted. What you think? Brody, do you like the Hypercane? Wait, it's, it's a public or the thing. Anyone can look it up. It's not, like a, it's not like a... What? Do you like the Hypercane? Or unless the they don't know Unless they it's don't know my... Hunter, what do you like? The Hypercane or the I force? like the Hypercane more.
0: Oh, okay. I feel like it's more controllable for my R speed.
2: $2,265. Did the winner still third? get $8,000? That's what the projected uh, eight thousand six hundred and went up. Yeah, Simon, uh, second five thousand one hundred. Nice. So that hypercane or force that putt that was a nine hundred dollar putt. Big time. Um, I'm I'm a force guy now. I'm a oh. force guy. yeah.
3: There's I'm I'm whatever's
2: I'm whatever's most overstable.
1: Oh, okay.
2: Whatever the hypercane, I thought was super overstable. It was not overstable enough for the wind. So I have that Eagles crossing force. Oh, chef's kiss. Very good.
1: All right. So
2: is the most overstable and won't flip. It's hard to find. Very hard to find.
1: Uh, Brody. Yo. Who are the celebs or other sport athletes you would like to see play the pro-am style tournament?
2: Could care less. Next question.
1: All right. <laughs> I want to see a tennis pro just because I'd be fascinated.
2: I mean, it's just any anyone. Like that's the thing. There's not like a specific person of like big cat. Yeah, like any any was
0: supposed to be there.
2: Any uh, how did we
0: drop the ball on that? I'll never forget. I'll never forgive whoever dropped the ball on that. You will never be forgiven by me.
2: Any any big celebrity or any big uh, athlete, I think, would be very interesting to watch play disc golf. It'd be exciting to watch.
0: Yeah, no, yeah. So like, I'm not gonna. I'd like to see a disc in like Shaquille O'Neal's hands. It would look like a mini.
2: Yeah, like his hands are way larger. than That's what I'm saying.
0: Mine. Like him throwing that, that'd be crazy. Yeah, he could almost. Like, he probably wouldn't be very good. We should send him one. Just say, hey, take a picture holding this, yeah, and send it Wait, back.
2: He to He used her. to follow me on Twitter.
0: We got an in. Hold
2: uh, on. There we go. Hold on. <laughs> I think it was Twitter. I think I actually had DM'd him one time because I think I was trying to set up a uh, a battle where I would uh, I would throw. Um, Frisbees, like scubers, f- free throws, and he would shoot free throws, and we'd see who would make the most.
0: Surely you would have won that.
2: I would think so, but maybe not.
0: I and mean, you had to you make one out of ten for you, him, Brody. Okay.
2: okay, he still follows me.
0: Shaq sucks at free throws. That's his uh, whole thing. Uh, I don't, I don't follow basketball. That's gonna be the weirdest DM you ever send. Hey, yo, questions. can I send? Can I send a frisbee? You? You?
2: Disc golf. Yeah, he still follows me.
0: Oh. We're in. Can
2: I send you some disc golf discs? Okay, that's a
0: much better way to work. I want, yeah.
2: I want to see if you can throw them Far. with your massive hands.
0: <laughs> there it is. There's no way around it.
2: <laughs> Yo, check your DMs. <laughs> Dude, social media is a wild place sometimes when it first when social media first came out like it was so crazy to where it's like you could just have conversations with people
0: yeah that was like the whole draw of twitter yeah like i mean it still is to a certain degree oh you could like talk to a famous no like yeah like a a famous person
2: could just respond to you and you'd be like oh my god
0: because it's much easier to get someone's attention on twitter than like direct dm because
2: i was cleaning out my phone because i have so many videos on here that i'm like i don't need this stuff anymore and this is this is one of the uh where is it yeah i still have this screenshot i gotta keep it the very top
0: (laughs) taylor swift retweeted you yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's what twitter was
2: yeah it was like oh my god taylor swift saw my video and she retweeted it that's crazy yeah, it was. Gosh, those were the days. It was such a cool. It was such a cool thing. Now it's so toxic. <laughs> it's so cantily.
1: <laughs> That'll happen.
2: All uh, right, we have anything else, Silas?
1: Um, here's a good one to end on. Okay, all right, perfect. give it to us. Uh, disc golf won't break into the major sports realm until the MPO and FPO start touring separately. I don't think I think that's pretty far down on what's holding us
0: back,
2: yeah, I don't think that so yeah I so don't, you
0: think that's false uh,
2: well, I don't think it wouldn't I don't
0: uh, think that's the hindering factor yeah i don't
2: f- well, I don't think that is something that would hurt it from ge- becoming like from becoming uh more popular I don't know if that's the right way of saying it, I just don't think that is like a top yeah I don't 10 think that's or the main 15 factor. thing that's holding because, like back.
0: realistically what has to happen for that to happen is the fpo field needs to have demand like two or three times the size it currently is because a yeah. tour of like 30 people or 40 people isn't going to survive but a tour of 120 people could survive
1: right So like that's more that's have but, like the couples that tour together well that's just going to happen would they,
0: they in this scenario there's enough money in both fields that that's not a concern because it's going to be really easy for you to both make your own living and do your thing hmm. um but regardless, I mean, obviously, it's not nearly as fun for people, but that's just like a different lifestyle. Like right now, if you're playing in the WNBA and your husband's in the NBA, you're never expecting to be playing in the same arena every night. Yeah. Like that just, right. that'd be wild. Yeah. You're in for, two different careers. Uh,
1: what do you think of the cornhole bowling putt? Should it be made yes. illegal? No. No. no it should it be is.
2: illegal. If anything, I think it's actually a really difficult putt to get good at.
0: Um, what do you think he, of it? from like 30 feet is like a way to generate more power for someone like, I don't know, nine something rated in the mid nine hundreds. It's struggling from 30 feet. Like you think it's something that that type of person should try out? No, just no specifics. So I would, what I would do. And again, it's like, it'd be tough to do
2: this because like, for me, like when I practice my step putter, my step putt, I'm practicing releasing the disc and then stepping. Yeah. So I don't think if you have that step putt that you should practice an illegal step putt as well. But if you don't have a step putt at all, and let's say you do a jump putt or you do something separately, then that might not be the worst idea of like practicing where your disc, you know, your mini is here and you start here, right? Like normal. And then you step putt and you like actually step Step into your line and then putt like that.
0: You can be onto something there. Yeah.
1: I feel like that would generate more power. It oh, would definitely generate more power. You might be, you're probably less accurate. That's the question. Is like, can you do it accurately? Yeah.
0: But if you're struggling on getting the disc to the basket from like thirty feet, I would, I it.
2: would just say, just do a little scoop if you're showing power from thirty well, feet. I'm struggle
0: a lot more with accuracy that just way. Do a than little ch- step putt. Just okay. this, look, ch- just right at it. Ch- 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 I ch-
2: didn't, ch- I didn't make ch- a scoober. No. And I almost, almost went for it on eighteen on the third round. I was like 35 feet up high, yeah, looking down at the water, and I asked, I asked my caddy, and I was like, "Where am I at right now?" He's like, "You're four back," and I was like, "All right, four back sounds doable." So I just laid up. But
0: I must say, the uh, I, w- I
2: wanted to do it because I threw like four scoopers that round. I almost made two. The
0: hole that night. you did your like play through on Eagles Crossing with the big tower, and you scooped it in from yeah. three. Yeah, crazy three. Now that I played it. <laughs> Uh, that was
1: insane. All right, how big is that? Like, oh, all the tower? it's towers massive. Texas really? States
0: is like a mini version of it. Yeah.
1: What was wild to me is like it's, your depth it's perception 30 feet is up so there. thrown off. It's thirty feet. Yeah. So it like, like when when thirty feet elevation change. Not thirty feet.
0: It's close. Twenty. Really? Maybe
2: the top of the basket's like twenty five, and the wow. bottom of the basket's like twenty. It's
0: it's close. That's a lot bigger. Yeah. Well, what's crazy is like when you're on the tee you can see the top like three or four mounds. Yeah, it doesn't
1: look that so big. It doesn't.
0: Lo- it looks like the basket's way closer to you, and it doesn't look like that mound's that tall. Yeah. So then we threw our first shot, and then... You guys both got out of the water? No problem? No, we didn't even try to go over the water.
2: Oh, you didn't try to clear the water. Oh, I guess it is like 400 we feet later
0: We laid up... Our, to the left? Yeah, so we laid up left. Okay. Then we laid up to where your drive My was. My drive was. Then we th- went across. Then you
2: went across, okay. Yeah,
0: to go across the water and one... It's won, a 400-foot carry. That yeah, was crazy. Yeah, yeah. And then... After that, it's still a very difficult shot, blind over water. Second shot's pretty It depends pretty on where easy. you got to. Second,
2: yeah, second shot's actually where pretty easy.
0: where we were. It was very easy, but we had laid up and then laid up around and then the got, corner.
2: Got around the. We trees were past the there.
0: trees, yeah. up pushing that ob. Mm-hmm. That was easy, but if we would have barely went across the water and tried going for it, yeah. No if case. you
2: haven't, if you haven't seen the skins match, my uh, spoiler, I'll just spoil what happens to me on that hole. Um, so I cross the water, but like I'm on this the hill. Oh, okay, is a pretty like good little hill there, mm-hmm. so I'm on the hill. So I end up basically running up to a different angle of where I wanted to release it on because I couldn't do a normal run up, or I'd be like just sprinting up a hill. So like I run up this way and chuck it that way, and it ends up coming in. Heiser's hits the bottom of the tear cake and then just launches into oh, the water. <laughs>
0: They didn't have the fountain on when we played, so I didn't get to see the fountain. I think
2: the fountain comes and goes. Okay, uh, you might like
0: not having it on because they we, said it made it where you couldn't see the basket as much.
2: Well, also when we had it, when we were playing, it was very windy, and so like it just misted the crap out of it. Like, uh, you okay. just got soaked. It was like going into. Yeah. One I saw it.
1: Like, it's out now. They, they, yeah, uh, they came out today. Yeah, it yeah. came out.
2: If you haven't seen it, check it out. GK Pro Skins uh, biggest skins match. Of all time,
1: yeah, it was like twenty some thousand.
2: I think it was more than that. It was
1: a lot of
0: money.
2: I think it was like close to thirty thousand.
0: A it lot was. of money was on the line. But there you have it. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Um, oh,
2: shout out to Matt Bell, twenty five thousand dollars.
0: Yes, it was donated to something, right? Was it for charity or did you go to him?
2: I have no idea. I, I like know charity. I know. Uh, I'm not sure, but I know uh, he and Barsby, because like Barsby, like bear hugged the crap out of him afterwards. And Barsby is a very like energetic person when it comes to like cheering on other people. So it's not like that uncommon, but I didn't realize that they had like a deal where if the other person made it, the other person got like ten or twenty percent or something. Oh like wow! Dang. So I think it made like bars be like that's pretty twenty five hundred bucks or something. That's pretty yeah. awesome. Yeah, which I thought was a cool. Yeah. It was
0: inside. a cool ace, and then Big Germ hit it as well in, in the tournament. tournament. Yeah. And and Chloe Alice. Yes, I three, saw that too. Three.
2: Eight, or no, and, and they Blair. They're all, they all and video. Blair did it the day before in a practice round.
0: Was Blair's on video? Yeah, oh, I didn't see Blair's.
2: He did. He posted it on Instagram. So there's four aces on wild. that on that hole. Wild! Wild! Like, wild! Yeah, nuts.
0: uh If you've been waiting for our St. Louis battles to come out, the bogey row battles. Uh, We pushed them back a week. We had to get some stuff figured out with the sponsorship thing. So that's coming out next Tuesday. And then next Tuesday is the one where we play against the Gateway Bros, what we're going to call them, Gateway Boys. Uh, It was actually one of Nico's brother. Not one of Nico's brother. Nico's brother. And spoiler alert, this guy can crush. He was throwing like 650 all over us. You're not going to miss that. That's next Tuesday at just local St. Louis course. And then the week after that, long-awaited, we play Eagles Crossing. And uh, it's tough. You're going you're gonna to see it. It's tough for everyone. So I'm not saying it's tough like we just got wiped. I'm saying it's, it's, it's a hard tough. Course. It's a tough course.
2: If you're also in the area, our store officially opens this Saturday mm-hmm. at 3 p.m. Uh, we will be here for a signing from – I don't know if we've decided how long. We haven't decided be.
0: the official time, but probably like 3 to 5 range. I think the store will be open till 7 p.m. Uh, so if you just want to stop in, just shop what's in the store. But yeah, we'll all be here for a signing from like 3 to 5 or so. Yeah, we've got the... Uh, if there's still a lot of people trying to get this yeah, time, we'll, we'll stay still be longer. Yeah. It's not a hard cutoff, yeah. but that's kind of the range.
2: We've got the Dark Horse Raptors too for those. We um, should
0: have some foundation custom stamps.
2: Some foundation custom stamps. The P2s I don't,
0: are in, and the in, rest of our Innova stuff might be coming in this week in ooh. time. So it's a brand new stamp. I'm pretty excited about it.
2: We're not entirely sure about like... How many people are going to show up? So it's like I don't know if like if you show up at two fifty five, if you're going to be the first one in line or if you're the fiftieth. Yeah, person. I, I don't know what we to we have no idea how many people are going to show up. I'm very but excited. We
1: are stoked. Uh, Silas is security, so a stay lot, in line. A lot of uh, yeah, I am. Yeah. All right. You better watch out. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of time and effort
2: uh, has been put into this, and uh, these guys all did an incredible job. So I'm excited for you guys to all see it this Saturday. If you're interested in uh, the exact location, that is on our Instagram's Foundation Disc Store. Um, You can also, if you follow it, you can also win this disc, like I said earlier. Uh, So check that out. We'll be here Saturday from 3 to 5. Hope to see all you guys out there. Should be fun. Good times.
1: Check the mic and make sure it sounds right, boys.